Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change Recovery Podcast. My name is Ashley Lowe Blassingame, and I am your host. If you are here for the first time, welcome. If you are returning, welcome. So excited to have you. Today, I will be talking to none other than my two younger sisters. We are the three Loeb sisters, Marina and Victoria Loeb will be joining me, and I am so excited to give you this episode. It's been a long time coming and felt like it was a good time to release it. We had a lot of fun doing it and, um, you know, a lot of, lot, of, lot of fun reminiscing on what it was like to grow up in our household. We spent some time, you know, I tried to make the episode not, you know, 100% around, you know, what they thought, what do you think of me now? What do you think of me? And try really to talk about their experience. Of course, I, you know, it related to living with me. So that did come up, but I, I really, I really worked on trying to make this, this interview interesting from the perspective of what it's like to be the sibling in a home where there is an alcoholic child, a drug, drug addicted child. And, to give perspective on that, and especially since I did an interview with my father, Peter, and you guys got to hear about that and what that was like, I think that this episode gives you some insight into what it's like from you know more of a peer perspective. Marina and Victoria are, you know, I know that I'm truly biased, but they are two of the most amazing women that I know, and you know, I have these lifelong built-in best friends and I feel my siblings, my sisters are truly one of the greatest joys of my life. And I I, I cannot overemphasize how grateful I am and, and how much being a Loeb sister means to me. It really does. It's one of the things that brings me the greatest joy in my life, being a sister and, and being a sister of three and what I get out of that. I, I hope that that comes through in our episode and that you get a little peek into uh, what it was like growing up in our house and maybe something that they say will be supportive or helpful in your journey. And at the very least, I hope it makes you laugh. So without further ado, I give you my favorite people on the planet, Marina and Victoria Loeb. Episode 91, let's do this. You're listening to The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. We are a community of recovering people who have overcome the odds and found the courage to change. Each week, we share stories of recovery from substance abuse, eating disorders, grief and loss, childhood trauma, and other life-changing experiences. Come join us no matter where you are on your recovery journey. Okay, so we're starting season three with a new tradition. So I want to welcome you to season three. And uh, we're going to start with a new tradition where we look at a picture from our childhoods, a bad haircut, or, a, you know, it kind of depends. But I really want like a bad childhood haircut. Like that's the optimum thing, but we'll, we can deviate a little bit. 
And so you guys, did you send me your photo? I'm trying to find, where's the photo? Because oh, the, yeah. photo, the photo will be posted on our Instagram from for every episode. And so that when people are listening to us talk about it and describe it, they can go to our Instagram and see the actual photo. So for you guys, what, Tori, you want to go first? Yes. So I included a photo of myself. I think I must be... I gotta be like maybe two in the photo mm-hmm. and in classic, uh, I'm going to say third child fashion or youngest child. I think mom just got really, was like, <laughs> I don't have to brush her hair so much. I'm not taking her get her, get a haircut. So she just, she gave me like a bowl cut, but it's like <laughs> truly like people, people are like, Oh, oh yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. It, it's like a, a little boy's haircut, which Makes for very funny interactions. I've we've actually a photo has been posted on Facebook, and people have asked if that was their little brother. If that was YouTube's <laughs> little brother, and uh, it's actually fun fact: my fiance's contact photo of me. So every person who he shares my contact with gets that that photo. Yep, 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 yep. And it I, is. It is awfully. You were the I, cutest little kid. Oh my! I God. was. You, know, you were gender neutral before you knew what that was. Exactly. Yeah. No, I definitely was. Um, you know, I can appreciate that. I feel like mom was progressive with there how she, she dressed me. Yeah, that's good. Uh-huh. Oh, you were so Your cute. little brother. My little brother. So cute. I was like wearing jewelry. Yeah. Look at you, fashion. I know, right? I also, yeah, that was a, it was a very cool like 90s. I, I'm in like a, a jumpsuit romper situation. That's Can we like just talk about very loudly colored? Marina yeah. looking devious as all hell, of course. Yeah, that one is like, yeah, they they make me look like uh, they the hair and the clothes are very like designery, like not not like designer fashion, Sheesh. but like the I yeah <laughs> I it, it because it looks a little bit exacting. That's why I say designer instead of artist. You know? Uh, oh, okay. Like the collar and the lines and like. The, uh, things like match, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mom were dressed me in very matchy. This, this was actually dad's doing it because mom was out of town and dad dressed us in, and mom was pissed because the three outfits clashed. Oh. <laughs> so that's how I remember that it was dad who actually put us in this. Oh, oh my God. All the, I, Cause my mom was like, why would you put them in outfits that clash? Yeah, yeah, you're in like a multicolor. I'm in a jumpsuit yeah. and Marina's in stripes. Yeah, Tori, yeah. Tori is looking like Banksy in this thing. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't know. Banksy. Look like, I'm going to a different one, though. What's yours? It's the one of us at baggage claim. Remember, you're smiling and you're wearing that colorful fleece. I, too, am wearing a colorful fleece, but I look like a freaky, like, ostrich, you know? Is this the ponytail one? Yeah. Like, the the... Like the various, yeah, yeah, the the like pigtails, but I, but like not cute. Like nothing about it's cute. It's like it's hilarious. You look cute, but it looks like I'm imitating you, and it's not working. <laughs> I need to see this photo. I like don't even know if I want to release it. It's like oh, so you can't cool. talk about it and not release it. Those are the rules of Jumanji. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, as fine. A, as a Jumanji lifer, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you have to. It's like totally part of it. Yeah, it's so good that in my computer it's labeled yes. That's it. Wait, can mm. you? Okay, I guess you'll have to send it to us after. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this photo. 
especially with pigtails looking awkward. Cause I feel like when pigtails look awkward, it's, it's just bad. Right. Like, you know, some, like you can have some things look awkward and it's not good, but like when pigtails don't look good, they look really bad. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. have a side pony too. You used to do just like just one. Oh boy. You used to take an entire bottle of hairspray and literally mat down. And they called you helmet head because it was literally like hard. Yeah. I think mom, yeah. mom like yeah. coined that because I remember she did that to me for a little bit where she'd do like the half ponytail and she, it was like your head was shiny. <laughs> you know, get rid of flyaways, but yeah. it really was taken to a new level with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would go in there and do it to myself. So I would (laughs) center part it and then spray until I could spray no more. Like, I don't know what. Huh? Yeah. The Aquanet. Aquanet. Yep. Yeah. It was um, basically asbestos, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember what I thought, but I remember having no, like no negative ideas about it at all. That's what I remember. Oh my God. Wait, sorry. One haircut related funny story. Do you guys remember when I was in the movie theater and I was chewing a piece of gum and it fell out of my mouth and <laughs> fell into my sideburn? <laughs> my sideburn. And you guys never let me forget it. It was like your boy to just be like, I had just this one short sideburn. <laughs> what are we there for if not to tease you until you're scarred for green. life? Remember oh my God. Green? You were green. a scar too. And, you, and that's what made it so much more appealing. Oh yeah, my God. You were, Ashley was like very babying and you, you yeah. were, you you were, were like my baby. Stronger. Maybe like, you know. It toughened me up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely didn't get to tease you much. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We were like fast friends. And then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saved all the teasing for, for later. Oh, God. Yeah, Marina, she just, it was like, I'd have to do like a straight face situation. If it was something, be like, I don't care. I don't care. So then it was like less joyful for her to tease me. Oh, yeah, oh, man. Yeah, but I got Marina pretty good. I had Marina. I have some haircut pictures of her. I told Marina she was going to be a model that a magazine had called. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I told Marina that a magazine had called me and that they wanted her to be a model and that I was there to take the photos. <laughs> so, so I like dressed her up and like made her take these photos. And like, like I mean, they... She wasn't wearing anything ridiculous, but just the whole idea was so funny to me. And I was like, okay, now put your arm here and pose like a model. And she was doing it. And I was like, okay, this is going to go really well in the magazine. (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited. You you probably were. Yeah. And you looked adorable and hilarious all at the same time. And we felt like mom developed those photos. Remember Mystic? uh, Where we would send out the photos. Mom developed the photos. They came back and it's just like, I took like a full photo shoot of you posing as like a eight-year-old hilarious it was so funny that's i've done that to tori actually yeah yeah you learned from ashley and then you passed it down because i remember i was in the bath and you approached me and you're like i'm gonna do your makeup and i was in the bath so i was like half an <laughs> audience like no mirror nothing and you just like i don't know how i didn't realize it but literally it was like my entire face was covered in red <laughs> lipstick i remember doing that yeah that's oh, taking it to a whole marina didn't look abnormal it was just hilarious oh yeah, yeah. 
Well, I want to start with, we just kicked this off at 420. So that is very ceremonious. And uh, yes, thank you, Marina and Victoria Loeb for coming on my podcast. Can I do your uh, intro? Yeah. I think I know it from memory. Wait, you got to introduce yourself. Who are you? So people start to know your voice. I'm Marina Loeb. Blasting game. <laughs> <laughs> I'll jack that. Oh god! Uh, I oh, need I a subscribe. <laughs> I was gonna be like, "Hello, beautiful people! Welcome to the Courage to Change and Recovery podcast." Yes, thank you. So let's get this shit show on the road. Since Tori's <laughs> already started with her technical difficulties, yeah. I'm at seven percent. Just so you all know, oh, we're going. Good. Good. Okay, yeah. Victoria go. has a computer that she has to wait till it dies <laughs> for, it to, <laughs> for it to catch a charge. So she had to wait for it to die. We had to hold on and wait for it to die, and then she could charge it. Because if you charge it before that, it would go still go down. <laughs> in charge so basically it's a good thing you work in tech in silicon valley is all i'm saying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's really good okay so why don't you guys uh give a little bit of background about yourselves marina will start since we'll just go in birth order you uh what tell us a little bit about what you do for a living what your birth order is and your hobbies sure so i'm marina I have the lowest voice of all the sisters mm. and uh, I'm an illustrator and designer. I work on a lot of different projects and a lot of them are marketing and branding based. And for hobbies, well, I love to draw, but I also <laughs> like to run, but I don't know if that's a hobby as much as a necessity. <laughs> and uh, I tend to a ton of plants, uh, got a, a little bit of a plant addiction. Mm. Um, my yes, house looks like Jumanji. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. <laughs> and the cat yeah. doesn't help. No, no. He just, I mean, we have so many plants that the ones that he destroys, I mean, we, we can't really tell. So yeah. Awesome. And yeah. you're in uh, South San Francisco. Yeah. And how old, are you? how old are you? I'm 31. <laughs> Thank you. I, I really, we were, Tori and I really didn't know. We, yeah. <laughs> we were, we're doing this before my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to figure it out. Okay. Good. Now yeah. we have it. Now you we have it. Your kids. You guys were, Tori, Tori was telling the wrong ages to my children, including yes, mine. And mine. Yeah. Yeah. How it was, I think you were. I think I was telling them that I was turning 39. I, it was very early in the morning. They ambushed me. <laughs> you told your wrong age. I didn't realize it until I listened to the video afterwards. You're not even 30. I know. I was saying wow. I was turning 29, but I said 30. Yeah. Anyway. So um, okay, okay, Victoria. You, yes, uh, I am Victoria. I am the young, the third girl and youngest, uh, the best. Um, and I uh, live in Presidio in San Francisco and I work in tech (laughs) should I say where no (laughs) okay I work in tech uh in sales and in my free time I like to spend as much time outside as possible since I'm inside for most of the day um, so, you know, right outside my door, lots of hiking trails, which is awesome. And I have a, and a very active puppy. So I am taking him out frequently. Also really enjoy 
uh, reading and occasionally, occasionally cooking, (laughs) cooking for fun, not cooking for utility. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. We got that done. Okay. So I wanted to bring you guys on here. We had our dad, Peter on the podcast and we did a, we did a conversation talking about uh, what it was like to have the privilege of raising me as a child and talking about addiction from the perspective of the parent. And you guys are my best friends. And so, you know, we've been through the ringer together and, and uh, you guys have had a lot of life experience as a result of just the home that we grew up in. And, you know, we talk on this podcast a lot about the experience of the people who were actually like who got well. And I think it's important to talk about the experience of the people around the person who was, you know, a complete shit show. And uh, because I I know that that's affected your lives. So I wanted to um, did you guys did you guys hear the episode with me and dad? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tori's lying. No, 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 I'm not. I, I think it was a while ago, right? It was in, it was in, it was in season one, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I my memory is not great. I'll be honest. <laughs> I listened to it twice, but I can remember bits and pieces. So I remember. Yeah. Yeah, Tori. Did you like, listen to it, was, it twice? It was very like. Okay, I definitely didn't listen to it twice. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Sure I, I listened didn't to it like <laughs> one upping me. I know. I'm sorry. I that was an accident. I'm like, well, I listened to it twice. It's I'm sure I could I... recite it. <laughs> yeah, that's All actually right. probably true. I bet. It, yeah, Dad. You know, he's great. He has a lot of. He drills his lessons into your head so that you can, at any given time, recite what he would say in that it's moment true. and it's how he would true. tell the story. It's very true. Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I like often. I'm like, oh, I cue. You know, I feel like I'm like a like I'm watching a like a filing cabinet of his stories, uh-huh. and I'm, I'll be in meetings with him, and I'll be like, "Q story from 1995, <laughs> episode 31," and like he 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 never disappoints. He pulls it right out. He yeah. says it exactly. I'm like, "Yeah, oh. that's, that's about right." I also thought about it this weekend when I was telling your kids about an ancient proverb. <laughs> and I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh no, I'm going to be like him. <laughs> yeah. Tori was trying to, we were trying to tell my children that they should pump their legs on the swing so that we don't have to push them on the swing. And Teach Tori. A, a boy to fish, you know, then he'll uh, eat for life. He'll be on the <laughs> swings by himself for life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just totally Let me it. just tell you, it was a real, it was, it really was a real winner. I think it just hit home for them. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about, um, so you guys heard the episode with dad and let's talk a little bit about how addiction has affected your lives. Your addiction? Addiction in general or whatever, however you, however you want to interpret the question. There's so many answers to that. <laughs> I mean, a lot, mostly good ones, actually, because your your experience came with learning a lot of things outside of addiction, like communication. You know, when we would visit you in the rehabs, they would... <laughs> 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 
<laughs> all of those rehabs. I'll just do rehabs. <laughs> you know, every time you made it back in. <laughs> sorry sorry but there was the I'm just thinking of the one time where you guys came and I was my hair had been falling out and (laughs) and you guys the first inpatient yeah and um I was trying to like look good and and put my hair in pony in a pigtails (laughs) and you guys were like dude your hair is falling out you can't wear pigtails it's not working I I was thinking I was thinking of how when you were on you know, like talking band and boy band. And it was just like, <laughs> what's happening here? <laughs> I wasn't allowed to talk to... Well, I feel like talking band and boy band was redundant. But yes, I was on talking. Yeah, I, w- I would get in trouble for getting loaded and at, in treatment. And I had a talking band shirt on and a boy band shirt on. So, wow. I, yeah, you weren't speaking to me at that point. Oh, Bummer, because that sounds funny. <laughs> I, go, I go there, I'm like, what, 11? And I'm like, this is some, what, what is this universe that I'm, I've traveled into? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. It's a straight-up alternate universe. You got, like, Catholic school on steroids all in one. Catholic school on weird steroids. Okay, so, okay, I'll, I'll direct my question more specifically. <laughs> okay, Marina, what is it like to grow up with a sibling who has an addiction problem? How does, how did that affect your childhood? I think that it created a world, an ecosystem that did not reflect regular life. And I know that's sort of vague, but like the way parents, you know, react to things, the, the organization of like, what's allowed, what's not like just, the the vibe in the house, um, the things you're exposed to, like when you don't know any differently, you know, growing up in that space, I think that what really stands out is when that's no longer there. And, you know, you go out into the world and like, I didn't, I knew that like not everyone had a sister who did X, Y, Z things. And I knew that like my life didn't look like other people's lives, but I, I felt like I went out and people were like shocked about things that I didn't know to be shocked about. Like, and I couldn't predict what things were shocking. And people also like, it's really funny too, when like older kids in high school want to like corrupt you when you're like a freshman, you know, but they're like trying to like make friends with you. Right. But like, but they're also doing that by like letting you in on like the bad things they're doing. And you're like, I remember just being like, what? Like that? Like that's nothing. Like, come on, give me give me something real to do, you know, give me something like that I can be interested in, you know. So like what is okay, so like when you say you like what were some of the things going on in the house that you did not know were not normal in your like growing up? Well, the the amount of outrageous like fighting and anger like just straight up screaming constantly i think that that really you mean between me and dad and mom yeah yeah and like just all the time and like it didn't i it's sort of normalized you know for me so it's like for example if someone like raises their voice like i i think like oh shit you know they're upset or like something like that like i i understand it as a signal but i don't like i don't shut down or i don't like fall into like 
a mode or whatever, like people get really freaked out, you know? And, and so that, that really like stood out also, um, you know, just the types of drugs <laughs> that the types of drugs that were around are considered like, you know, beyond hardcore to other people. They don't even know how to access Like I remember people were talking about like taking their moms, you know, out of van and thinking that they were like, just so bad. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> Like, you know, it's just sort of like, so, I mean, in our situation, I think like to give people some background, which was that Marina and I used together, we're two years apart and for a, like, we were really close, young and used, you know, and partied hard together. And when I say partied hard, I mean, like, you know, I gave you and I did meth together when you were in middle school and, you know, um, which was an interesting experience. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being like, well, I'm going to die. And then being like, well, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> oh my God. I remember being like, oh shit, what have I done? Yeah. I think, you know, so like I brought you along on a lot of the, like we did the same amount of stuff together for a long time, uh, you know, roughly, roughly like, and then it, and then I hit a level where I went above and beyond that. And then that's kind of where you, our paths, you know, diverged. But I think that, um, that, you know, that, that you were very, I, I felt like, I mean, I felt like I was protecting you because you were doing the drugs with me instead of other people, which, you know, in retrospect is a much is a lot of the addict thinking that I like to uh, talk about, but yes, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of chaos and a lot of hard drugs that you probably wouldn't have been exposed to at that, that age had, had that not been around. That's true. I would say that like, I don't know, in a sense you were protecting me, but I think you could only be called that if I like were to discover it on my own. I don't think that there were any, there was no way that I would have been introduced to it otherwise, but it just like accelerated what was already going to happen. I mean, maybe I wouldn't have come across meth, but like, you know, at some point you're going to come across people who have some things and maybe they're friends and whatever, and you're going to do those things. And it just sort of, I just like skipped a bunch of grades, you know? I think, you know, it's interesting. Like when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, you know, we're talking about the drugs, but like we did lots of stuff around alcohol and and we threw uh I don't even remember how old we were but we threw these black light parties when you uh convinced the nanny to take us to get a fog machine and black lights at the party store I don't remember that part but yes oh my um, God. yeah I don't know how you did it like that was <laughs> wild to me like I was so sure she was like straight laced and whatever and you had a conversation with her and she returned and was like all right let's go and I was like what <laughs> like how, what amount did you just like bribe her into turning to the dark side? Like that was so crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. So we bought a, we would have these parties at our house with a fog machine and a black light and we would invite people over and they could only wear two articles of white clothing and have these like drinking. Tori, were you there for those? So I think I would, you know, come in and hang out and be like, <laughs> I'll just sit in the corner. Don't mind me. <laughs> when you were having this party. And that's how she turned into a voyeur. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was like, I'm five, like, yeah, five years younger than 
Ashley, three yeah. years younger than Marina. And so by the end of your, you know, well, it wasn't really the end of your, your ride, but the, the beginning of the end of your ride, I think you were 16. So I was 11. So I was like pretty young when you were in, in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So but not, but how much of it were you exposed to? What was your perspective of, of what was going on in your home? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, for me, it's interesting as an adult to look back because I had such a childlike view of everything that was going on. Like it was such a naive view. I didn't really understand that. Like I knew that, you know, when mom and dad would get mad that you were doing things you weren't supposed to do, but I didn't know that it was odd. Like I remember, you know, people in the class would be, the parents would be like, you can't go over to the lobe house, you know, of like my friends. And it, I didn't really understand what the, what the concern was like for me, you know, I think I definitely like <laughs> idolized, idolized you as my sister, but like I had zero interest in like drugs and alcohol and, and I didn't even have really like understand what you were doing. To me, you just have like a ton of friends and were like super popular. And you would make these photos. I mean, books. also true. Yeah. 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 You would make these like really ornate photo books. And I would come in your room and, and just sit on the floor and try to be like a fly on the wall and look at the photo books. And, and then when mom and dad would get mad, I would get really protective and be like, why are you getting mad at my sister? You know, like just <laughs> really, really. I'm like, yeah, listen to her. <laughs> I was just so like, la la. And so I don't think it was until later, like and I probably, you know, until you went to, went to rehab because that was when I was 11 and was, you know, just hitting puberty. And, and then, so, you know, it was interesting kind of going through high school and being exposed to like, you know, I didn't do anything besides, drink and smoke weed until after high school, because I was so just like, I, that's something that I just don't do. Like I, I was definitely had a lot of fear around drugs and alcohol or, you know, drugs, not really alcohol. And so that was like a line in the sand for me, but I didn't really, it was more just, I think I was much more present for you going through rehab than you using, because I was also, mm-hmm. as Marina was, Marina was not talking to you. <laughs> I was going along as like a, a like a twelve year old going to like, you know, rehab like family weekends, and just I remember just like seeing people stand up and confront each other, and just being like, "Whoa, this is wild!" <laughs> like, oh my god. Um, that was yeah, and oh god, or yeah, just like I think I was definitely exposed to a lot of therapeutic environments, which I think was really positive. Of just, you know, cementing a foundation of values and, you know, accountability and uh, introspection. And so I think that has been really positive in my life. Um, I think, you know, I do think in some ways it, the whole, that whole experience definitely forced me to grow up faster than other people, specifically the rehab piece. So like the, because again, I wasn't really aware of what was going on, but I think it definitely it accelerated my just like awareness of like what being an adult and like risk and different things of like that, just like perception of the world. There were some experiences where you, you know, particularly because, you know, Marina and I had a much more complicated relationship because we were doing this stuff together. So it was, it was just a much, and, and we're similar, you know, closer in age, but it was just much more complicated relationship. And, you, you know, you were young enough where there was some distance there, but I like, there were times where 
where I, there was a time where I went missing and they were looking in and, um, and they were, you know, put out a APB and like, you know, check the border and all this shit. And, Wait, which, uh, I feel like there were a couple different times from that. <laughs> <laughs> I know where the one, the time there was the, the time where I, the time, no. Oh, oh. No. Um, the time where, no, the time where the time. <laughs> <laughs> I know what this is with Rita. No, oh, I don't know. No, I don't. I mean, now we're, <laughs> this has gotten really, this is got, this is getting good. Oh, um, right. You gotta be more specific about which okay. time you went missing. Okay, perfect. So, um, the time I went missing where no one knew where I was, I guess that's kind of part of it. And, but I called the house and I called you only. And Tori and told you that I was okay, like called you from a payphone and then told you like not to tell anybody. And one of the things I've heard in people sharing about their experiences with their siblings, like growing up with someone who's an addict is secret keeping for them, right? Like I would get Tori to pee in bottles. (laughs) I was terrible at skipping, (laughs) at getting drug tests, but that's neither here nor there. I still tried. And, uh, you know, like having money, money, I stole your money. No, no, no. You, you asked me to steal money from mom and dad. Same. Oh, perfect. So scary. So but I think I was like, oh, I'm doing like, this is her God's sister. Work. Yeah, yeah God's I'm work. doing God's work. I was like, my loyalty ran so deep. I was just like, I mom and dad too, were, the, were the enemy. I, yeah, but I also, I didn't really like, I didn't understand. I don't even remember you calling me to tell me that. I mean, because again, this is all like sub 11. You, don't, you wrote like, a, you wrote a, um, a poem uh, you wrote a thing for school about it oh yeah well yeah that was yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that wasn't like it's a different days. time i went missing <laughs> no, no, well no, no that was like it was based on it was a, a fictional story based on you know fact <laughs> fictional i can't remember i'll have to like pull it up the somewhere but yes yes i was like but that was I know, but that, yeah, that was definitely scary because it was also, we'd be like, I remember it was at a concert and it's like, oh, Ashley's gone or something. Like, it was definitely like disruptive where it was just like, there was a little bit of like, God, I was where enjoying I got, my concert. Where I got kidnapped <laughs> by two dudes accidentally. Yeah, I know. And I was like, I, I was like, I, I have never seen Avril Lavigne. Like, I'm why, trying to live my skater girl life. <laughs> skater girl for your skater boy. Why Peter took me? You know the in the, if you would listen, Tori, to the podcast with Dad, you'd know I did that. I discovered how I got to that concert. I had no idea ever until that moment how I had gotten to the Avril Lavigne concert. And whenever I would tell my story, I would literally say like, "I ended up at an Avril Lavigne concert. No <laughs> recollection of how this happened." And Dad's like, "Yeah, I took you with Tori." Yeah, <laughs> and I, I was I like, "Remember that? Oh, an extra ticket. You got the extra <laughs> ticket." Yeah. And literally I never knew. I was like, it's just the strangest thing. I was in downtown San Jose and somehow I ended up (laughs) (laughs) literally the story in my head. Like I had never knew that that's how that happened. And so can you imagine this story in my head is suddenly I'm at an Avril Lavigne concert. That's literally. So for my whole, like all of these years, that's what I thought. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that that was kind of a, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a less fun, you know, but I remember like, I guess a good example of this, you know, the childlike mentality is I remember like, and you know, the story well, we reference it, but 
mom and dad asked you to drop me off at school and I'm, you know, in, in elementary school wearing my like little Catholic school uniform. And Ashley's like, nope, you, I'm taking you out of school today. And then we go to your <laughs> high school, which is like not a real high school. And you're like hey, on your Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. absolutely so fun high school. It was a continuation. Remember, we, first of all, so we like go, we go, we like, first of all, go to Taco Bell for breakfast, which I was like, Obviously. yes. Oh my God. Yes. Delicious. This is amazing. And then we go to your high school and you're like taking smoke breaks, like on your phone. And you you give me this, this sex in the city book to read. (laughs) Like, mind you, I'm like sub, I'm like probably 10 or like maybe nine. Could you read? Read. Books? Yeah, I was in like, I don't know, fourth grade or something. It was called Maybe Four Blondes. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, and then they like took me around and they had animals and, and stuff. And I was like, this is awesome. Also, I love that no one at school questioned it. Yeah, I know. You probably like signed into mom's email and you're like, she's sick, you know? <laughs> no, I don't think I thought that far ahead, but yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So Wait, that, so was that a that good was, experience? Like, yeah, that was like, that oh a- my God, this is amazing. Like... <laughs> You know, I I was a, a an easy uh, easily satisfied. <laughs> yeah, there are uh, a lot of things like that that were. That's that's kind of the interesting other side is like there were a lot of hilarious random moments because you were very enterprising. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there were things where you're like, we're gonna do this. And it's like, wait, are we allowed? You're like, well, we're gonna do it, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> And you're like, here's what we're gonna do. I'm like, okay, like stealing cars, like that was. Oh my god! N- not other people's cars, mom and dad's cars, but my god, like even rentals. I mean, <laughs> we just you really believed, you know, you were I, on a mission and you made it happen. <laughs> I, I look back at my brazenness and am fucking terrified because I have children, and. <laughs> Also, just like what I don't know who that person is, but it's yeah. I mean, I don't know what I don't I I don't know where that. I think I just had no. I think that's just part of being a teenager. Like you're six feet tall and bulletproof. You're gonna do whatever you want. Although I mean, I'm told that not every not every no. fifteen year old. <laughs> no, I wasn't like that at all. Like that was what was so in, like weird. And also, people sort of parenting me like I'm you or whatever. It's just like. No, I'm actually afraid of danger, <laughs> you know, not, well, that not was, honestly not as much anymore, but that was like, you people. I, and I, I didn't realize this till much later that like you guys weren't allowed at people's houses because I was your sister and like you were treated differently because I was your sister and people weren't allowed at our house because I was your sister. Yeah, that kind of, and I mean, that was like a big part of the reason too, why I ended up switching schools and okay. <laughs> I was like, I think I want to stay. And mom and dad were like, nope, nope, not. nope. Yeah, probably because they saw like, that, like, they didn't let me into the high school. And they saw, yeah. Yeah. But for and me, I was like, oh, I mean, somewhat. Oh, the dean of student apologized to me at the end of eighth grade. Because, like, it, there was a point at St. Joe's when, like, all these teachers realized that it wasn't, that it was you. That it was actually it wasn't us. Like I don't know it what a, happened. I, it wasn't a contagious virus in our home. It was it was just a, it was localized to me. Yeah, like I don't know what happened, what information they got. I didn't even think of it like one way or another as anything because I wasn't. I can't even imagine what like authority figures are thinking. But there was a turning point when like all the teachers just started 
feeling badly for me. Like you could tell they were like really like even the PE teacher, she started crying. She pulled me aside, talked to me about cutting stuff. And she just started crying. And I was like, why are you crying? Also, I hate you. Like it was this weird thing where I couldn't even get, I didn't even understand how they were feeling because they were just so the enemy for so long, you know, that it's random you know? Yeah. But that was, that was even a short period because I remember you and I both switched schools and then Ashley, Oh wait, I remember you, you, I'm trying to remember when you went to read because I remember you went to, you had, you overdosed. I was in sixth grade and that was coming back. Oh yeah. That was coming back. Cause I remember you would come to yeah. my like community service days. Oh my God. Yeah. Because I came home, I came home from Vista. I came home from treatment and like in a really super gnarly abrupt way, Mm -hmm. similarly to how I got there. And, uh, and like had finished that year of school and had no friends and was just home. And like mom and dad had made my room into, (laughs) into a sitting room. So I didn't have, I didn't have like a room. All my stuff was gone. They repainted everything. So I was sleeping on the couch there and like, no, none of us knew what I was going to do. Like there was no plan for me. I was 17 and there was no plan. And so mom was like, you're going to go to Tori's volunteer thing. So I would like go (laughs) with Tori and her friends to volunteer. And I was like, they love it. Yeah. (laughs) But, But yeah, so, cause we, that was, so yeah. So you basically like you had gone to rehab at that point when we were still at, or I think it was like the summer when between fifth and sixth and for me, that was you between eighth and ninth. But yeah, so I was just thinking about the timeline, the timeline there, but yeah. And then I think by, you know, I guess to your point, Marina, of the parenting, I think, I mean, I, I think it is interesting to think about with our childhood of just parenting for different kids and, I think mom and dad were very tired when they, when I was a teenager. Um, but I, 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 think, I think their approach, you know, worked pretty well, which is just like, I sort of knew where the boundary was. And if I wanted to do what I wanted to do, there were like certain things that I needed to, you know, make sure I think they were more lax. With, I mean, they were definitely more lax with me than with you, Marina. But I think with me, I mean, I definitely think with other parents, I might've been pegged as like a problem child when, <laughs> You know, even just for like drinking and smoking, you know, because I mean, I did, I was like very much, I was like, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And like, I would party with my friends, but you know, we would not drive and we would be, you know, relatively safe. And I don't know, it's just interesting to think about like the different approaches that they took, I guess, with each of us and how it progressed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I do wonder how they had energy for me and then not you but maybe they just had a little leftover after <laughs> Ashley went and they're like, we're just going to spend it on Marina. I just I think they were terrified. I th- yeah, yeah. I, think, I think they were so fucking scared. Yeah, I know. I was so, I remember like even when we were allied, you know, when I was like using with you and stuff, we, we were just in different roles where you, you were always on the radar. And that was the one like strategic mistake I always thought you made. I was like, I was always trying to stay under the radar. Like I, I yeah. didn't get, get it, you know? And yeah, like, like a lot of missions were sabotaged by like, yeah, like what, like dad wired. Cause we would sneak out Marina and I would sneak out all the time, like all the time. And so we'd use the phone to like, you know, arrange rides and stuff. And 
my dad wired the whole house so that the phones would shut off at a certain time. And and internet. Yeah. And this was before he, like he created the system. So yeah, Marina, you, you had some friends come and get the password, right? Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) I had a couple of friends. One of them was a hacker and he went into dad's office when he was gone and extracted the password and then used that to shut down the system without dad knowing. And so I told you, I was like, all right, we're good. Like, you know, no suspicion. How yeah. would he ever know? Right. The, the, all the lines shut down at ten ten. So the thing that sucks about that is like, if anything changes, you know, if there are any unpredictable yeah. things, you need to like, you know, change your time and everything. Like you can't just plan something for hours ahead and hope it works out. I mean, even though we kind of did, but would you guys um, sneak out on school nights? Oh yeah. All night. Probably. How did you go to school? Uh, I got mono. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How did we go to school? Like super tired, super tired. But back then, like that was. Yeah. Yeah. You were also like young enough where, you know, and the excitement was worth it. So you, you did it. But yeah, Yeah. dad and I got in a huge fight, but dad and I got in a huge fight and I was like, we know your password. Yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. And so dad changed it. But yeah, I was, you know, that was like above, I, I I think that was the thing is like, I literally, I did not care about what they, like, I, I know people say that (laughs) and I know, like, I know people like, oh, I don't care. But I'm like, no, really, like for real, didn't care. Like really, yeah, like, like really did not care. Like I I remember looking at them, them being upset with me and being like, uh, and they would say things like we're disappointed or whatever. And you'd be like, no. And I was like, cool. Does that mean yes or no? Like, <laughs> right. you know, like oh God. people would try to like, oh, we're disappointed in you. Or mom would say, I would prefer you didn't do that. And I was like, okay, that's not a no. So like yeah. that to me, it was just a whole other, it was a whole other ball game. But yeah, I, you know, I was really unaware that you guys were being ostracized at school and by friends. And like, I did not know that stuff until I went to treatment. I didn't know. I mean, I knew you guys were witnessing knockdown, drag out screaming fights all the time that you were witnessing me pulling knives on my dad and myself. <laughs> and, uh, so dramatic. You know, oh, man. too. It it ended up looking really funny. I know it's like a serious story and everything, but like when you guys, when the fight managed to move outside in the front yard (laughs) during daylight, mom, Tori and I were like looking out the window and then mom just like, like confused, but also just like, it was obvious that like you weren't going to stab you. You have to tell the stories of the people know what's happening. Okay. Okay. So basically what happened was, here's how it started from my perspective. I heard a ton of laughter in the house and, and I was wondering what was so funny. Cause it was like, obvious, like a bunch of people in your mom, and dad's room, they were um, like laughing. And as I'm walking to mom, and dad's room, Tori comes running down the stairs crying and she just runs past me. She's like, ah! and I was like, Oh, it's crying, not laughing. And cause they sound the same. It's really wild. Anyway. So basically something bad had happened. The, the fight between you and dad ended up in the kitchen. I think mom somewhere along the line, like, you know, moved out of the way and you guys were like screaming, fighting. And then you decided to reach like to, I don't know, heighten things. You reached into a drawer, the knife drawer and grabbed a knife, 
And what was so amazing about the knife you grabbed is that it was like a really ornate carving knife. Like it was a total <laughs> accident, but it was like gilded and like <laughs> it was like a sword. Anyway, so <laughs> and then you like then dad was like, oh sh- shit, you know, like like okay, shit just got real. And so you guys are both like bending your knees, like almost oh, like boy. dodging each other. No. You know, because he's trying to reason with you, but he's also still like fighting. Like he's not actually really escalating. <laughs> he's like still putting up a fight. And then you're everybody was getting into an athletic position. You were. And that's I think how you ended up outside because you guys like were oh, like pivoting towards the front door and managed to like pivot all the way like outside <laughs> down the stairs around the sidewalk yes. in front of all of the neighbors like it was... i didn't have shoes on i never have shoes on whenever the dramatic moments <laughs> are i never have fucking shoes on it's just yeah i, I apparently i cut him oh you did oh god yeah wow. i don't remember that i yeah, remember d- the crime this is i just hurt per dad and then and then apparently like i don't remember this i like i remember i remember vague things about this but i do remember no shoes going where am i supposed to go now and running down the street to some bench and being and being drunk and being like uh, being like well shit i'm just gonna like lay down here <laughs> with the rest with this oh ornate God. knife and no shoes on. Like I, I would get myself into these, like I would, I would like take a stand and get myself into these situations where I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing or where to go or what to do here. Like I've really, I've really fucking bungled this one. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a clear bungle. Like it went on, <laughs> no one would stand down. And like, that was sort of the, the thing. Well, like after a while, that's why I think when Tori and mom and I were watching mom grabbed a camcorder and we just started filming it. We're like, okay. And like, it's, it's one of those situations where you know that it's not supposed to be funny, but it, but <laughs> when you know that everyone's going to be okay, you're kind of like, all right, yeah, we should film this. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it just got silly. And, oh. you know, and also this, obviously like the, a knife fight isn't, I wouldn't say it's the most common form of combat in the house, <laughs> you know? but, but the fights were constant. Like, I mean, it was like background noise. Like I remember just being in my room and I like, you're screaming and I, it just like was there. It, I didn't think anything of it ever. Like it was just never, it never stood out and I never felt like scared by it. You know, they were I constantly only, trying to control me and parent me. And I was over oh. that. I was well, so yeah. over that. You had your door taken off yeah. the hinges too, and then was put like, back on. Yeah, and I had my off again. <laughs> yes, he would take my door, and I was like, "Why are you taking my door?" He would take my door, and I would light up a cigarette in my room and just start smoking it. And he was like, "And I'm like, what do you think? I'm not going to do the things I'm doing with if there's no door. Like, I don't give a fuck if you know what's happening. Like, right? But don't I don't care. Take the door. Right? Yeah. That's that's the thing. Uh, you gave no shits, and like. You were so blunt and so vulgar. Like, I think that that was the hardest part for me was like, it just like, it just made me uncomfortable how I mean, my vulgarity from back then makes me uncomfortable today. Oh, God. (laughs) I just, I remember, I just like, like, cringe and wait till it was over. And like, there was a part of me that thought maybe it'll stop because this is so obviously, you know. Oh, God. Yes. What, so, Tori, did you want to, did you want to add? I thought you were going to say something. Okay, oh, 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 I think I was saying, uh, yeah, or I, I was uh, thinking about the fighting 
And yeah, I think the, the, like, I remember the, the one that really sticks in my mind is the CD case where like the CDs were flying everywhere. Um, that was really, that was upsetting. <laughs> I remember being really upset about that one. Do you and know I why that like, happened? Oh my God. I do you know why that wanted exactly. to like hit you and then hit the CDs instead? Yeah. But do you know why? Like, okay. So it had been like a week couple, this is the kind of shit that went down in our house. It had been like a couple weeks before and meth had been found under my bed and mom got pissed and like flushed it. And we had this fight about it. And I was like, yeah, it's meth. She goes, she did one of those things where she was like, what is this? What is this? And I was like, it's meth. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, she didn't think I would, you know, like she thought I was going to make something up. And I was like, no, it's yeah, it's meth. And <laughs> she flushes it or whatever. And then like a week later, and dad knows about this and whatever, but they were so like, they so had no fucking clue what to do with me. But so this was a perfect, a week later, I think I'm in a freshman in high school and dad finds out that I've pierced my tongue and loses it, loses it. That's when the CD case went. And I was like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. It was like, and this was the kind of stuff oh. where it was just the kind of shit that went down in our house, which was like, you didn't, you never knew what you were going to get in, like what was going to be the thing that really pissed them off because they were so all over the place without knowing what to do that, something, some offense that I did that I was, you know, sure was going to get me in real trouble, they would just have not have the energy to deal with. And then a week later, it would build up and I would do something relatively Mm -hmm. mild comparatively. And he would, they would just lose it. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what to tell you, but yeah, they were very, that was kind of for, for me as well. Weirdly, like they, I remember, <laughs> I remember the, so they found like, uh, this is sort of a, a famous story between the three of us, I guess, is they found, I stored all of my empty cans and bottles in trash bags in my closet because I was like, I can't put them in the trash because then they're going to find them. And so this was like years worth of bottles and cans. And mom, of course, is like cleaning out my closet, finds them is like, I come home and they're like all on the, the kitchen island oh, yeah, and, that's a, that's a yeah, and mom's like ignoring me. And mm-hmm. then, um, mm-hmm. dad's like, he says two things to me. He's like, first of all, you're an idiot for not throwing these away. Second of all, <laughs> you have terrible taste in alcohol. He's like, what is this? Bacardi limon? Like, what? He's like, Malibu rum? What is this? And he's just like shaming me for my alcohol. Thing. <laughs> And like truly didn't even get. I mean, not wrong, not wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, um, I remember. And then we were like one one time I had like overslept and I had like overslept. And when they had come to pick me up from a sleepover, and that was like the one time I was grounded was like because I was being thoughtless. They had come to pick me up, and I had slept through my alarm, and it was like. That was like the only, I was grounded for like 24 hours in my oh, wow. phone. I remember it was like, all my friends were like, did you die? What happened? That was like the big <laughs> event. That was, you know. Yeah, you literally, uh, you literally could do no wrong. I mean, c- compared to, I guess when, when it's like, you remember that time I went missing and nobody knows which time I'm talking about. I guess if you grow <laughs> up and if you grow up in a house like that, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, hard, to yeah, get, that's uh, true. hard to get in real trouble. But when, yeah. at what point did you realize I, well, I guess, I don't know. Like, at what point did you realize this is a problem or like this is addiction or or like when did it go from being funny to really to a real concern for you? I mean, I I remember two moments that made made that clear, which were 
Uh, I think the first one was that you were doing coke like at weird times, like not not when it felt a little bit more like like not on your time, not on your schedule. (laughs) Yeah, not on my schedule. I was just like, like you were doing a time when it like wasn't as fun to do it or something. You know, it's just like what, like you were doing it like it was maintenance, (laughs) and I was like Like during the day. (laughs) Yeah, like during the like it yeah like wasn't yeah it just felt off and and then you weren't doing like that much at any one time you know what I mean like it's more fun to like do it at like a good time and like do like enough that it's fun and you know it just like was a lot more like it, I didn't relate to what you were doing and I said to you I think you have a problem <laughs> and you, then, I think you said I think we have a coke problem oh yeah I, I included myself in it I don't yeah. know why that's so thoughtful of me and <laughs> then and then you were like get out of my room which was like the biggest like it's like the biggest punishment you can get from Ashley Loeb is like she kicks you out of your room, her room. <laughs> Cause like her, your room was like cool. And like, it was like, just, it was like a fun place to be like whatever we were doing, you know, good or bad. Um, <laughs> and you know, you had a couch and it was all like, decorated and you had your photo books and it was just fun. You know? My room was purple. I had stuff hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Like it was decked out. Right. And, and I think the second time was when I think you were at like really committed to meth and uh meth you yeah i think that that like just you just got a lot more into it like it more so than before <laughs> i don't know i think you weren't even dabbling in coke i think you like ain't nobody got time for you know that and you um the difference between like you on it and when you weren't on it was like severe like you were just so pissed and like sad and it, it was like scary. Like you were treating me like I was an enemy all of a sudden. And I was like, no, I'm like, we're, we're on the same team, you know, but you, and then you actually, um, you were in another fight with dad when you were, what is the word for when you need the drug, but you don't, you were craving withdrawing, Beating. withdrawing. Yeah. You were, you were withdrawing and you were getting in trouble for something. Jo- Jonesen. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you were Jones and you looked sick and to distract from what you had done, you basically turned me in. Like you told them that I had done something and you just like told them all this stuff that was like a secret that wasn't even like, it wasn't, it wasn't especially like bad or dangerous or whatever, but like, but you knew that they wouldn't be happy about it. And I, I like remember everything about that moment. And that was that was when they target locked on me a little bit. And cause I think that they, I, obviously they knew that we were like in cahoots to some extent, but I think that that's when like, I got a lot more of that attention. And you know, the thing is, is that when you're, I think that, I think that those were the signs that you were on, you were on the downhill side, you know, that like mm. at the end of blow or whatever, when like things start going wrong, it was like, you're, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that drugs make people bad. I don't think that I don't think a lot of things make people bad. I think that fear and desperation make people bad, you know, and mm. that's obviously where you were at. So whatever you did in those states, is just like, yeah, I don't know. Like that, that tracks, when I started you know? to turn on you basically, because you yeah. and I were, you know, we were, you know, we were, you know, besties doing everything together yeah. and we wanted people to think we were twins and, uh, <laughs> cool makeup. Very, very cool makeup. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then, yeah, like you, it start you start to turn into a different person. Yeah. Like you were just, I think what really stands out at a basic level is like, you were so self-centered, like 
impossibly self-centered. I mean, nothing mattered, but your, you, but also like even just the smallest conveniences, like it was so, it was so unrelatable, even like as even if you're, you know, a sheltered kid who doesn't understand the meaning of like house labor or whatever, or whatever it is, like, it was just like this, you were like another type of human in that place. And, and yeah, but like with, you know, Tori, like you were like, you had some boundaries and stuff, like you had some incentive to, to do things like within some boundary. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, and you also didn't do like, you also weren't involved in, in the drugging, like you weren't involved in the, you weren't involved in the fighting you weren't involved in, I mean. Yeah. I think I, I made, you know, I guess in the, this is more normal high school, whatever. But I think too, you know, all three of us looked like we were 18 when we were 13 (laughs) and, (laughs) and, you know, so it's like, I was dating, you know, a junior in high school when I was in seventh grade and like mom and dad really didn't like that. And (laughs) (laughs) we we still to this day never talked about it. And, you know, they're probably Uh, so, uh, yeah. uh, And, um, and they, they, I think, you know, also too, dad's like, thank God you never snuck out. And I'm just like, yeah, thank, thank God. You thought I never got caught. <laughs> um, oh. But like, so I, so I think I, I did do things, but yeah, I don't know. That's why I chalk it up to like them being tired. But I think people, you know, I remember my Spanish teacher told them, she's like, I think Tori's growing up too fast. And, you know, I think, and they're like, uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, nothing. I literally, so, I, I can just see the conversation in their head like, lady, you have no fucking idea. <laughs> I know. And I like, I did get in trouble, you know, when I was in Senor. I got, like, disciplinary uh, committee or disciplinary trouble at high school. So, I mean, I definitely... The dumbest shit ever. You should be ashamed of yourself for getting in trouble I know, I know. But, <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I don't know. They were just, yeah, they they were more... Uh, yeah, I think they were just like, we're, we're just going to reason with you here. And I remember like, yeah, they just, I remember I got like a speeding ticket and we, mom and I, this is kind of random, but mom and I had to go to court because I was like just about to turn 18. And they were like have you grounded her for this? And mom's like, yeah, definitely. You know, I <laughs> no, I, you know, I remember like signing myself up for like SATs and just being like, okay guys, like I'm going to go take my SAT tomorrow, you know, just, just letting you know. And I don't know. They were just like, okay, cool. Bye. Like they were just, no, they were tired. <laughs> Over it. Get like, get okay grades, like get into college, you know, don't get arrested. Like, Okay, you're good. <laughs> yeah, the the, the the stakes, the the standards are. What, yeah, exactly. I guess what when does it go? You know, for people listening, like when does it go from like my sister's a rebel, like oh she just you know she's enterprising, to, yeah, like, <laughs> or like she you know she likes to like like, oh shit, like this is a life-threatening problem. Like when did you, because you guys learned, you know, you had a very different experience in that, you know, and I think we should talk about this, which is that, you know, I took up a lot of the mental space, you know, the, of, for mom and dad. And so 
the focus, the resources, the therapy, the help, like all of it was focused on me in an incredibly intense way for a relatively long period of time. And that had to have left less than was necessary for you guys in some ways. Like, like, like that had to have felt like, dude, she's fucking up and she's getting all the attention. Like, you know, why is she getting all this stuff when she's just fucking it up and that kind of thing. And like over and over again, can you speak to like feeling like, you know, there, like I was, I don't know what the word is, but like taking all the resources. Monopolizing. Monopolizing. I, yeah. And this kind of ties back to your question before, which is like, I think, you know, when you start dating, you know, he who shall not be named (laughs) (laughs) and you were like, you know, disappearing a lot. I think like when you started running away, that was when it became, it was like, oh my God, like it was just, I think for, they were just, even if you were at the end, even when you were doing things that were, they didn't like just having you home was a relief because then they just at least knew that you were alive and like safe and so I think like I remember that towards the end before you went to rehab and you were just like constantly running away. And it was, that was definitely like a point of, it was just always, it was like, oh, you know, Tori really wanted to see Avril Lavigne and like now Ashley's missing. Yeah. Or like, I remember a birthday party. Uh, there was like something and you ran away. Like it was just, it was, that was a point of distraction where it was like, we never, never knew when you were going to be home. And there's just such a focus on having you home at any cost. And, and I, what, yeah. what did that, how did that affect your life? Like, how did, like, how did that affect, you know, growing up in a house where all of the resources and attention is just like, so desperate? Did you feel like, like, like it was unfair? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, at the times when it was inter- when it was like disruptive to my life, I felt, you know, resentful. But I think, I think again, and like Marini could probably speak to this better because I think for me it was like in such a childlike mentality, and I also was just like in my own world, so and and self centered in my own childish way of like I want to do my things, and so interruptions to that was frustrating for me. But yeah, I think again, like I had just my view. I was you know sub eleven, so like my view on it was very very different. Um, but it was from, also, you know I didn't have an adult perspective it, on it. it it also took away focus for you for a long time while I was in treatment. So I'm not even talking like, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. the recovering piece was a a long period of time as well. I think that the, the disappearing moments, that's when you also just, your personality had shifted already. So it was like obvious that something was wrong, but uh, yeah, if, if there's like an action, you know, that indicates you were, not a rebel. <laughs> it's that the attention though, like when you were acting out and like having really just, you know, fucked, uh, I remember thinking that I was so glad that I was not receiving that attention. I mm-hmm. just wanted, I wanted as little attention as possible. All the energy that was going towards you was like dodging a bullet. And, and I think that you leaving like, it's not that, it's, you know, it's not that mom and dad are like bad, like they did all these, you know, great things, but the focus that spilled over onto me when high school started was like, just unnecessary, you know, 
it was just like, all right, well, time for us to all live our separate lives. <laughs> like, like no need, no, nothing happening over here. But, you know, not that they were like crying into my stuff when I was gone and everything. They weren't being like weird. But I just sort of felt like I remember looking at the clock on the wall in the classroom freshman year and wishing that I could just speed it up times a million because I was I just felt like I was waiting out a prison sentence and there was, you know, I didn't like where I was in the school. The school is like really intense. Like the, the funny part of it getting rejected from the school mom and dad wanted me to go to was that I got into like a better one actually. You both did. You know, I don't know. Good luck. But for me, it was definitely good luck. I think they wanted an artist and they just didn't have one. <laughs> They're like this girl. Uh, yeah, <laughs> whatever. I'll take it. But and, you know, they always supported my art and everything. So, like, that was awesome because that's really what I loved. But I never... Oh, my God. The attention that was on you. Oh, I was just glad I was being funneled away. So, what I'm hearing you say is that you didn't feel like you were losing out on having parents because your parents were so preoccupied no. with something. I, I mean, I was going to say, I think, I think, you know, there were times where... I guess to, you know, towards the, what I was sort of saying is like by the end of, you know, my high school and, and even, you know, like took taking a year off and applying to college. Like, I think they were just, they did not have the, they were like done with child's rearing. And I think like your, your problems accelerated that. And so I think there were times where it was like, you know, I didn't necessarily get the structure or like the, um, you know, I think motivation on like college and extracurriculars. And I mean, I did a lot of that stuff on my own, but I think it was just, there was a piece of it that I noticed was missing that my friends had of like more right. hands-on. And I think part of it's like mom, dad's, you know, personality, they're just sort of, they're like, you know, I'm empowering you to do this yourself, <laughs> <laughs> which, I, which I really feel like they're not helicopter parents. Um, but at the same time, no. you know, the example I mentioned of like, signing myself up for SAT prep, like taking the SAT, you know, signing myself up for the SAT, like doing all of my college applications myself. And, and, you know, at that point, <laughs> she was like, for the gifts. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I think they were like, they were just, uh, yeah, a bit like not neglectful in any sense, but just, I think, you know, at times it was just like, oh, this is a result of them being like burnt out basically. And just like, they're done. Like that's, you know, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think I turned out fine, so it's fine. But <laughs> that, that was the thought at the time. Stay tuned to hear more in just a moment. I want to interrupt this episode to have a short little discussion about support groups and there is no better person to talk to about this than my production coordinator, Ashley Joe Brewer, AJB, if you will. AJB, hi. Hi. Okay, you're a big fan of community. You attend community support group meetings. Give why? Why why should people care? I absolutely love community because it creates a community. And I know that sounds funny, but 
It truly provides a space for anyone and everyone, no matter what they are going through. Just to give you an example, I invited or told a friend about community because she was really struggling with binge eating disorder and had gone to many different groups and felt shunned or not accepted or like it wasn't a place for her. And at community, she found a place because in community meetings, it's we don't care what the substance is or what the struggle is. Everyone is accepted no matter where they are in life, no matter what they are recovering from. And I think that's what's beautiful about community. Oh, I love it. And I, I, yes, I 100% agree with you that the value is that you don't have to know what your problem is, what your struggle is, what you want to give up or not give up, or whether you're abstinent or whether you're stopping one, whatever, whatever it is, you are welcome and you are welcome in this place. And it's a great place to discover the answers to all the questions that you're looking for in a community and have that support. And it's free to anyone. You go to lionrock.life. And there is a tab with community meetings. There are different days, different times, different subjects. There's even a cooking group called Community Table. There are so many different options, something out there for everyone. So I highly recommend, maybe after you listen to this, if you are looking for more community in your life, more friends, more support, please, please go check out community, lionrock.life. Click that community tab. Now, you know, through watching, going through the recovery process with me, because I mean, theoretically, you kind of did, right? Like, I mean, I came home, I overdosed, you know, I went back, all these, these experiences that we had, you guys were part of that experience. It wasn't like I just went away and got sober during that process. Do you think that the information that you guys learned has changed who you are and or how has it shaped, you know, being part of the recovery process and having a sibling who's in recovery? Do you notice that that has shaped you differently than other people in your lives who haven't had that? You know, one thing that's interesting is like you guys, yes, you were there for all the chaos and and all the you know, the crazy and the fun and the not fun and the, but you got a, you know, what, like what you were saying was like, you got to peer into this world multiple times, uh, that most people don't see. And, and you had a lot, like you got to, you know, I mean, I remember getting sober and calling Tori every time I went grocery shopping because I was afraid to be in the grocery store by myself because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want my, to like go down the grocery or the alcohol aisle. And so like, I literally would just sit on the phone with Tori while I grocery shopped. And like, it was just, you know, you guys were part of, you guys were a really big part of the process and, and have been a huge part of the support. So, you know, the experience on the other end of like having a sibling going through that, what is that like? Like, you know, coming out of all the bullshit and, and into the recovery piece. I think that once you returned to like being a regular person, like your personality returned, that it was easier to see like what this really was without having to personally relate to the experience, right? Mm. It's like, okay, this is, you know, it's not the same if someone acts like shit 
and their personality is the same, and then they stop acting like shit. You know, you can't really, it's not as obvious that something was like plaguing them. You, you really associate things with what you perceive to be their personality. And I think, I think it really helped with communication and being like, not as afraid of emotions and the freedom of knowing that whether or not you are cool with confrontation or not, that there is a way of doing it. That's not terrible. Whereas like most of the time people are inclined to sort of shut down, keep it in. And I think that even if you know the tools and stuff that people do it anyway, but when you wake up to the possibilities or whatever, like you, you at least know it's there. You're like, Oh, I'll just do this. Like you, you feel like you can actually solve interpersonal problems a little better and you're not as afraid of negative emotions. So what about going through that process made you feel that way? Um, like what taught you that? The comfort, the like family times at the rehabs when we would sit around and the counselors would basically mediate between you and us, which was usually horrifically awkward, um, but <laughs> also educational. Yeah. You're just like, well, didn't want to get this close to my parents, but <laughs> we're here because we're, we're sharing these stories. I remember you starting to like share shit about me and I was just like, this is not necessary. You, you're, you, you keep your shit on your side of the street. You know, this was like, you snitch. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, oh man, yeah, like snitch culture. Is oh, really interesting. Like, my God. yeah, I feel like drug world like hardens you a little, but like in an honorable way too, where like you like learn to take some more responsibility. Like, I don't know. Anyway, I mean, and you wanted me dead sitting across the. Sitting I remember across. looking at you like, do not. I I will deny everything you're saying. <laughs> I'd be like, she's lying again. I don't know. Put her in the hole. (laughs) But you know what I realized? Talking ban really needs to go into effect right now. Yeah, I know. And and, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But the thing is, the, the real, the thing that balanced it all out was that I realized mom and dad probably like blacked out with horror. <laughs> they did. Some of the things. Yeah. When you turn to them and I was like, oh shit. Like I. <laughs> Everybody's spot got blown up. Oh, except Tori. I, so I was like, I, I straight up like, I don't know what I would do if, <laughs> if like, like you had your kids here, you know, like, oh. yeah. But they told the me to. Yeah, they did. You were, you really were true about perhaps too much, you know? Um, yeah. 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 But the thing that made me like not Literally. talk to you was, you know, oh God. Yeah. The yeah. days you administered the drugs. Yeah. Really yeah they, they gave me a sheet I had to fill out and it was like, list all the way, all the drugs you used and how you administered them. And I asked my counselor, like, are you sure you want me to write this stuff down like is this necessary and she was like this is what's necessary to stay sober like are you willing to do it i'm like well okay (laughs) you were crying when you were doing it which made it so much better (laughs) because you were like can i administered it orally and anally and we're like oh i'm reading this fucking tell-all and in front of like I'm sitting in the middle of this massive group of people and mom and dad are sitting like knee to knee with, uh, with me. And I'm reading this piece of paper and it's like, it comes to ecstasy anally and orally. And dad just starts laughing, like trying not to, oh. like, trying to keep so his shit together. Now, yeah. Yeah. Say that. 
Yeah. Yeah. They told me that I wasn't going to stay sober if I didn't share everything. So I was very thorough, but in retrospect, (laughs) I'm not sure how that helped me stay sober. Oh, God. Yeah. I I was going to add that I think, you know, for for me, I I definitely agree with Marina what you were saying, where it's like giving you tools to, you know, own your part and keep your side of the street clean and um, just like a lot of, you know, I think being like humble and, and again, the introspection, those pieces. But I think also another thing is the, the community. Cause you know, I do go to, you know, at least one meeting a year <clears throat> with you, Ashley. And, um, and even just like, th- you know, seeing the community, the, that you have the ability to be open. I, I've, it's unlike anything that I've ever seen before, um, that people just being that vulnerable with each other, who are, you know, complete You're talking about 12-step meetings? Yeah, yeah. But even, like, even the, you know, like, yeah, sharing meetings, right? I guess it's 12-step, like, on your birthday? Yeah. Yeah, Um, and obviously in in rehab, too, but this is also, I think, even thinking about it past rehab, people just being really honest with each other and also being able to, being so willing to help each other with anything. And I think, you know, you've helped me like you've helped a, a number of my friends get sober who 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 I was like this person has a problem and you know it was just like I don't know what to do about it and you you know helped to kind of guide people to what they need what they needed and I think especially in this era of just like binge drinking culture it is sometimes hard to you know what's what's normal what's like circumstantial what's what's not I think that's been really huge for other people other people that I care about and sort of the that but I think also to just checking myself and being like well why are you drinking right now why are you you know smoking right now and sort of having those checks that I think a lot of people who don't have exposure don't think about and and I think also too when you have the genetic component just being like am I you know thinking about this too much am I over overdoing it um you know are there consequences of of my behavior this time where I like drink too much I think especially in college, there were times where like, I remember losing my keys, like my, you know, my school card, my door, my car key, all these things. And it's like, <laughs> okay, this is consequences of my drinking. You know, like this is, I went out too hard. I lost my keys. I wasn't paying attention. I've never so think- seen anything more impressive than you at Tulane drinking. I just <laughs> literally was like, she would go out all night till like four in the morning. I was sober and dying. I was like, literally, I thought I was going to have a, a full on heart attack oh. from not having enough sleep. And I go to bed and I'm like, I'm, I could not be more hungover sober and just from being out, just oh like literally God. being out. And Tori comes home and then gets up and goes to class. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I couldn't have made it. Yeah. But that, let me just tell you something. I could not have made it to a class had I simply just being a sober person. Like, oh. how you did. And then you made the Dean's list. Like, I was just like, oh, she's not an alcoholic. Like, that's what <laughs> happened. Like, she lives in New Orleans. And it has a normal life. Like, that's what it looks like. I'm like, okay, got it. Like, yep, that, that'll never be me. <laughs> but, it's, but it's interesting, too, because, I mean, as you know, like, I have a friend where, you know, we would drink together and go out. And definitely she Yeah, that would be would, more of my style. Yeah, but like, the thing is, she would still, you know, do <laughs> well in school. All this, uh, she, she would, you know, do well in school, all these things. But then it was like, yeah, she, when she did drink, then it would come out like 
she would get angry or do things that like she wouldn't, you know, basically have consequences. Right. And I think, but they were, and they were very severe consequences, like things that, you know, screw you up. And so I think, but it, but it, it, that's also interesting of like all of the gradients of, you know, yeah, different what types. alcoholism looks like and, and, you know, what recovery, you know, like who needs to be completely sober, who needs to check themselves. Like, I think, I don't know. It, it, I think it's definitely, um, people have this sort of idea of like this one size fits all, I think, who are, who have no exposure of like what using to the point of needing to get sober looks like. And they don't realize that there's so many variations of it. Have you ever felt the discrimination that comes along, like other than obviously not being allowed at people's houses, but the discrimination that comes along with like an alcoholics or pieces of shit or, you know, have you ever been around that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I think people sometimes will, will start to say things and I can't remember. I it's, I don't remember the specifics, but I remember needing to, Can I have very address? Quickly, <laughs> <laughs> I remember very quickly needing to be like, Oh, my sister's sober. So let me prevent you from saying anything that you're going to regret. You know, like yeah, I think right. I've had those moments before. And I do feel like sometimes the discrimination of, you know, you're drinking with people or whatever. And like, they know that you have, I don't know. I just feel like people, if you have, I think you're family, diagnosing them. Oh, oh yeah. That's also an interesting thing. The people like get paranoid or people look at you differently. Like they look at your drinking differently. If they know that you have a sibling that's sober, like uh, that's, that's also a thing. Um, I just was too drunk that. to tell. I know. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I guess I didn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Cause like, I, I try to, especially when there's someone who's starting to say something like they obviously don't have any exposure, don't understand what it is. I try to explain to them why they're seeing what they're seeing, kind of. Oh, so you just drop into like a long, lengthy explanation <laughs> of alcoholism. Well, what that, that makes them, they're like, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're like, they're like, I forget the part again. where I asked. <laughs> right. Well, hey, same same result, right? But you've both been in situations where people clearly had animosity towards... Do you think it's towards sober people or do you think it's towards people who are actively or they don't make, they don't make the difference? They don't make the delineation. Active. Oh, I think people who are s- sober t- too or... I don't know. There's a stigma around like you, you went too hard that you had to get sober kind of thing or, or like not wanting to party with people who uh-huh. are... You know, or, pe- or people, people being like, oh, I mean, obviously there are some situations that you don't want to be in, but like, you know, I just understanding like what you can do with the sober person and what you can't, like can't, like some sober people are down or fine with going to bars or, you know, drinking type right. of events and others aren't. They think we immediately become Mennonite. Right. Yeah. Actually, I know that is the one thing I know. I think that I haven't like heard celibate so much. Yeah. But like, uh. My roommate, I think, I don't remember what it was, but she, oh yeah, someone was sober. She found out on the app and she's like, she's like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to do that. I was like, well, why don't you just like ask them what they want? Cause like, why are you assuming like where they stand on XYZ? Right. And, and I also, when I was app dating, I went on a date with someone sober and, and, uh, I can't remember if he told me there or before, but I think, I think it may have been there. But we went to a bar and everything, and then he said it there. And I think he was he was trying to stop that from happening by literally like showing taking you where, to a bar. 
Yeah, exactly. It, you know, it's like it solves, right? I, I actually, that's a pretty clever move if you think about it. Not, not that it like, you know, needs to be that way, but it was a clever move for what he was thinking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And some people don't want to date sober people too. I think that's like also a situation that's come up as like weirdness around like, Oh, they don't drink, you know? And it's, it's like, I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard that from sober people who have said that being sober is like really hard for them because people don't want to date sober people. I don't know. I just never. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a thing. It really is a thing. It just did not stop my endeavors but um I, <laughs> yeah. well, I people also they feel they don't want to drink in front of someone that's yeah. not drinking and therefore i mean yeah i wouldn't want to I, I wouldn't want to date someone allergic to peanuts and like never be able to have a pbj you know what i mean <laughs> totally <laughs> oh, yeah for sure <laughs> like you'd want to date someone where it's like okay you're gonna you know eat your pbj and they're okay with it and but also, totally, like, I'm you're, kidding. You're constantly eating PBJs <laughs> and you're eating like 10 PBJs. I'm like, you probably don't want to date someone that's, you know what I mean? You got to find like, I yeah, feel like is it gluten free? I have a lot of questions. Is it almond butter? <laughs> you know, yeah, right. I feel like you can't be like a heavy drinker and be with someone. I've also seen couples where I mean, I've like, seen that. Well, yeah, but I feel like also it's it can be problematic. It's like, yeah, also the situation of like somebody who, who like should be sober but is trying to control their drinking with someone that's over drinking and you're like oof this is just not a good but there's also the two people who drink too much and one gets sober but they're married or they're still together i mean those situations happen too and you know i mean there's all types of you know i think the thing that's really important to remember is like your sobriety cannot be contingent on anything right anything my sobriety, I, I will say, I will say this one thing. I like if the world is ending, like right, like if it's if it's if we're just you know maybe, but all I'm, <laughs> if, you had, if you had three months to live, no, maybe not. No, if I could do a lot three. of damage in oh, three dear. months. I yeah. mean, like too a day. Long. Yeah, yeah. That's way too long. Just three months, yeah, could, could, things could get real, real grim. But it, I, I, yeah, Sorry. that's yeah. way too long. But I think. Sorry. For like three months. Yeah, you're what? Saying, that's how we know she's more moderate. Totally, totally. Yeah, you're like three months, and, and then, and then, what could happen in three months? Start careening. At what one could week. possibly? I I hate to bring it to you, but do you remember I came home and within three months, I we when you and I went to Florida oh, after God. I got out of treatment, I took the rental. I ended up at a crack house in Tampa. <laughs> Just yeah, I wasn't happy class. about that because oh. you made me walk back by myself from the bar, and then I had to go back to the bar to look for you. And I but like, I was gone because I, I took the Mustang oh. and and the dude. I don't all I I remember walking into the crack house and being like, "Oh, I'm in a crack house," and then <laughs> and then and then blacking out, and then waking up, and there was a bag of coke in my pants and being and flushing it because I freaked out I was like I don't want to do coke what am I doing and I like flush yeah because well I was like I don't want to do drugs right that's good you know like freak you know (laughs) totally (laughs) it was way too late I was already should have just held on to it I don't know what (laughs) the trip started so well I was like very excited because you convinced mom to get a Mustang a convertible and of course we had a we had a photo album that we were gonna make and we did we made a photo album. Yeah, photo album. Then we also we went jet skiing and you flipped the jet ski. Uh, yes, I did. I was, you you broke it. 
No, I just made it go yeah, upside she, down. <laughs> she made it go upside down. We, uh, I was in, I think I was in seventh grade. So it was like 13 at that point. Yeah. I was like 12, 13. So, so I was, seven, I was 17. Yeah. I was 17. Yeah. That was a, that was a bad move. Uh, <laughs> not that did believe it or not. That wasn't according to my plan either. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was, uh, just could not stop drinking. <laughs> it's weird. It takes a while. I, yeah. That's actually what I tell people too. When like someone, like parent or friend gets sober, I, just let them know that, you know, the likelihood that they won't relapse is, is smaller than when they, you know, I'm basically saying that like, you should oh, be a motivational. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I know, I know. I mean, like they can, the, so just want to let you know, you're probably going to fail. So yeah. So like, don't expected. like, yeah, a little bit like you can get back on your feet again. Like that's, <laughs> it takes a couple tries some oftentimes, right? Yeah. And yes. I try to say that with my Nicorette addiction to Mikhail. And he's like, well, how many times? <laughs> yeah, right? As and many like, as it takes. Yeah. And I was like, apparently I'm an outlier. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, you know, it's interesting. And I think this is the dilemma often with teenagers. And I suspect I will know coming up in a decade what it feels like. Great. And, um, but you know, you have to force your kid. Like I was forced, I was put in programs. Like that was, it was not, no one asked me very, quite contrary, (laughs) quite contrary to being asked. It was very much, uh, we're putting you on a plane. And so it was interesting because they expected me to be sober when I got out, but like I had no buy-in to any of these places for many, like for until, until a long time in. <laughs> yeah. And and so it was always interesting to me. Like I came home and it was like, I can't believe she's back at it. And it's like, I, I but I never said I wanted to do this. Like this was never part of my plan. This is part of your plan. And, uh, but I do think that, you know, those stints did stop, th- those stints in rehab stopped me from creating more chaos outside. And so I was not able to harm myself as much as I would have had I been free on, you know, oh, running you'd be the, dead, the for streets, sure. streets of Mexico. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, I, I definitely wouldn't have lived. Like I, I can, I, I really am sure. I really strongly feel that I would not have lived. You would have died. Like, for yeah. sure. Well, and, and it's interesting because there was even a period of time, Marina, when you didn't talk to me because you were sure I was going to die. Well, not only were you going to die, but I think that I the other part that preceded that awareness was that when your personality changed, you, you betrayed me. Yeah. Like you, that's why I wouldn't, I was like, fuck you. Like not only like you, you basically like completely break an alliance. Like, okay. Your personality changes, changes your dick. Fine. Whatever. That's okay. (laughs) And then you start deflecting mom, dad's shit by like, being a snitch. Well, <laughs> and that's then, the selfish and self-centered stuff, right? Like when we talk yeah. about an alcoholism. But then it got like, worse. Yeah, to the extreme. Know? We say selfish and self-centered to the extreme. And that's, that is, I mean, there you get between me and the drugs and I will right. obliterate you. That's it. But There's, I wasn't even in between you and the drugs. Like that's what was, that's what, and you, I think both you and he who shall not be named were terrified that I would get in the way. But I was just, I was just like, there, if there came a point. But that's, when, cons- that would be considered getting in the way. Like, even though you didn't see it that way, I mean, I don't remember this, but I, uh, even though you didn't see it that way, 
the point where I'm shooting heroin and you know about it and you know where it's coming from and what's happening yeah. and and you're not down with the sickness. Yeah. Like, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> yes, and disturbed. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. I was pulling out the nineties. Like I can, I can see how in my addict brain that that would be. I would be like, oh, danger, Will Robinson. This is a problem. Like we're gonna, right. you know, like, like you have to be eliminated or whatever. I, I don't. Again, don't yeah. remember thinking that, but I can. I know that that's how I felt about anything that was going to disrupt. It was like, per, it was. You know what it was? It was like not. It was like protect keep this at all costs. So like yeah. whatever I needed to do and this being, you know, the drugs and alcohol. That makes sense. Except that like, I, mom, dad are still the enemy. So like, I would, you know, like it didn't right. even matter. Like you, you were like, you know, being a jerk or whatever you were being, I, or honestly, it stopped, you stopped, you weren't even a jerk at a certain point. You were just no one. Like that's, you know, you were just entirely unreliable. Like, I don't even know what you became. And and that, you know, I became just, a woman that runs away with her cast. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. With your broken my, ankle. With my broken foot. Oh, I was going to say my boyfriend's mother. Yeah. yeah that's that. the best. Oh, that my. Was, oh, my that God. Was, that story is so obviously it's like not good, but it's it's funny on paper. Yeah, I remember I remember one time being a little scared. <laughs> there was one moment where I was scared where I remember you of this seems to be a theme you were taking me to get taco bell it was like an easy bribe <laughs> i was always down for the taco bell and then we drove to like santa clara i think because you were picking up drugs or something at <laughs> the boyfriend's mom's house i remember it was raining and you were driving a hundred on 101 and i oh, remember gosh. being like oh my god like i'm not safe like you know and i think that <laughs> was like a <laughs> that's what that's what tipped you off <laughs> yeah that's what tipped me off because I think wow. always I always felt like you always were you know like protective of me like you you know even even when you friend. were being like a, yeah yeah even when you were being kind of like you know a psycho you were like always <laughs> protective of me and you'd always be like yeah you know whatever and so I think that was a moment where I was just like oof, this is you know I don't know this is like Sketchy. It was my driving that got her. <laughs> yeah. You know what's yeah. funny about that? Is of that all that, the things. <laughs> yeah, that was her meth stage. So I, it just reminded me that like okay. you feel a lot safer when she's driving on heroin. I'll tell you that. Okay. No, trust me, you don't. <laughs> no, no, she I got didn't. in a car accident. Remember? With, when an no, she was on. Um, no, I was on pills. Yeah, she's on pills. She's on. Yeah, I kind of like, like you know, it's yeah, it downers. Yeah. You're yeah. downers. Okay. But she was also not. was. Yeah. So yeah, I was in a blackout. Oh, the you hit someone coming back from a funeral oh, and no. the guy was what, what was horrible about it was that but what was great about it was that he didn't <laughs> have it in him to get upset he was just like oh like like one more burden <laughs> oh my God. And were, like I was just like keep it on the okay okay since I learned about this car accident in rehab you you guys kept referring to like and then the car and da 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 like when we went during a family week and I was like what are you talking about? Like, literally, do you know how that happened? That fucking happened because I, this was back in the day when Canadian pharmacies would send you pills. And I bought a bottle of Klonopin from a Canadian pharmacy, had it sent to the house, told mom and dad it was coming from the treatment center. They were sending me old, some of my meds. God. I don't know why they believe that, but they did. And uh, thank you. And, um, <laughs> and I took one and nothing happened. 
So I took another one and nothing happened. So I took another one and nothing happened. So I took another one and nothing happened. So I took the whole bottle, which I do not understand how one, I didn't die, but also two, if they weren't working, why take the whole bottle? Because you're like, my tolerance is low. Oh, and you almost killed, I think you almost killed Brandon at least. He was in the backseat, but he would have been T-boned. In the back of the car and she got, and she got with my best friends. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I remember thinking, but, so it was how funny. it was kind of funny because all my it was like she's such like did, a she was so. Sad. Were you in the car? <laughs> Who was in the car? It was Brandon and Amelie, and I remember. I don't know. If, and you were in the car, and I was in the car. But the you pulled into traffic, but your your reaction time was delayed. So like a Porsche <laughs> was speeding down and it honked at you, but we almost got t boned, and they were on the side that would have been hit. And I think I thought about it when Amelie died because I was thinking you almost killed my best friends. And then I was like, Oh, but she died anyway. And I don't know. It's a dark thought, but it wasn't a dark <laughs> thought in my head. Yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, you, you dodged death so well. And then. Anyway. So, so how did in that situation, how is it possible? I didn't get arrested. I don't know. Well, the cop came to like record the thing. You really held it together though. I remember, I remember seeing you in your like ripped jeans and shit and just like hoping you would keep it together. Cause the cop has to come and like, so I spoke know. to the police. Yeah, you did. You did. I don't remember like exactly how well it was, but you <laughs> enough especially to not know. get arrested. Jesus. But also we had no idea you were on pills. You didn't tell anyone about this. So I'm just learning this now. Like I knew what you were. I, I didn't know at the time that you were on Clonopin. All I knew later was that it was Clonopin, but given that you took so many. It's I a mean, miracle. It's a miracle. But it ha- I, I was in a blackout for a couple days. Oh my God. I yeah. think we we're going to the movie theater or something. So that was, yeah, I think I dropped you off at the movie theater and then I disappeared. I have no idea where I went or what I did. Well, you made it. Yeah. <laughs> you made it back. Yeah. Enterprising. Yeah. 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 Enterprising. Oh I went missing and who knows what happened. Yeah. I mean, it obviously it's not great and things <laughs> happen to people for sure. But I also would like to point out that so much more bad shit should have happened to you. It's so enough oh. times that oh. like, oh, oh yeah, oh, you're lucky, yeah. but it's also like, you know, it, I do think that, you know, people should have the freedom to exercise judgment, even if they, you know, even if it, it doesn't turn out. It calls into question. Everything happens for a reason. I'll just put it that way. Uh, well, well, yeah, but in that case, you're the Messiah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the last time that you, the last time that you used, like the fact that you didn't oh my God. die is like miraculous. The oh fact that God. I didn't catch any diseases is miraculous. <laughs> oh, but you could have yeah, overdosed. You're past easily. labeling. You're... Yeah, I was saying you could have overdosed easily. Yes. That too, but then even over, like even not overdosing, the I, the fact that I didn't catch anything is also, yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody wanted you yeah. alive to hear the man upstairs. The, the man upstairs, he wants me to do God's work. Okay, so <laughs> we digress. How does it fit into like you know when we started when Dad and I started with Ian Lion Rock? How and like everything that has come from that and, you know, working in the industry and, and having this be part of your lives. What did you think about it then? And how do you feel about it now? I mean, then it seemed like a great idea that was, is an obvious solution to, you know, some barriers to getting help. You know, it just, I mean, it wasn't obvious to anyone else, which shocks me because I, I think I believed in humanity a little more, you know, 
that they would hear about this and be like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Mistake numero uno. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Like what the hell? And it's, I, I, I like that there are all these like extraneous details about wellness that, you know, I, I learned on the side just from hearing, you know, you talk about certain principles of, of treatment and la la la, because I think that, I think that the things about AA and the things about, you know, getting help from substance abuse are things that would better everyone's lives. It's just that addicts are in a, you know, they're in an emergency place mm-hmm. and it it's life or death for them. Whereas like for the rest of us, you know, we just go through like lives, our lives experiencing sort of undue pain or not undue pain or unnecessary pain. And unprocessed too. Unprocessed as well. And, and, you know, now it's interesting that especially seeing things take off way more intensely during the pandemic, you know, it's like the, that, that time out everyone's on and their partners can see what they're doing and all the illusions just (laughs) make it like, yeah, the time out, you know, where you think about what you've done, you know, and all the things that, that allowed people to mask, you know, a problem, like, like, for example, like going to the bar and stuff like that, like, and using it under the guise of whatever we use. Social. Know. Yeah. And, and all that. I, I mean, it's unfortunate that it, it took a pandemic to create that <laughs> influx. Right. But, but it makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was really hoping that we weren't going to need a pandemic for that, but you know, <laughs> right. Turns out I'm not in charge. It's hard, right? Cause like you, as an adult, you kind of have to turn yourself in and like the idea of giving up your drug. I mean, even on a small scale, right. Even something, you know, for example, for me, like something like nicotine, which it doesn't get you high. I mean, I guess some people do, they get lightheaded, which is like shitty, whatever. Um, and and it doesn't really change how you act or anything, but like you, I it, it still have the behaviors of a, of an addict. It's just that it's easier to get, but like the idea of even having a little less of it, right? Like I get so afraid of being uncomfortable, like the, the taking away what someone's using to feel better or to avoid pain. It's profound what it takes to do that. So in that way, I, I get it. And, you know, not being forced into it, it's even harder, right? Yeah. And sorry, so just to refresh on the the original question was like, you know, having Lion Rock as part of part of your life, right? Yeah. No, no, no. I know. I I was just going to speak to that. So I was just curious. I was just making sure I was like remembering correctly. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think for you, I mean, it's interesting because it's like, I always expected that you would be in this field. I think you just have such a knack for helping people, you know, like you have a gift of you know, having the experience, but then also having the skill of really, you know, getting, making people feel comfortable being vulnerable with you in a way that they feel comfortable sharing and, you know, trusting that you know what you're talking about and that like you, you're showing them, you're giving them hope to a future, you know, that's less painful for them when they're suffering. And I, you know, I've seen it with a number of my friends, you know, again, that have, spoken with you and, you know, sometimes it's about a partner or about themselves, uh, about a family member. And so I think that makes sense. I think, you know, oddly in a weird way for dad, it's, it's a little bit, it it makes me sometimes sad that, you know, for him, his starting this company, sort of the, 
the obviously it was the exposure from you, but also his sister, you know, in a fight that was lost. And so, you know, I, I guess sometimes I think about it and I wonder, is this a sad reminder for him all the time of this, this part of his life? And yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that, that makes me think of that, but yeah, I think for, for him, it's sort of more of a chance, you know, these things coming together in his life to, um, you know, obviously he's always been an entrepreneur, but I think putting his energy towards, uh, solving this problem is, is sort of bittersweet in a way. So anyway, I don't know for what that's worth. It's, it's just something I think about. Yeah, that makes, that's interesting that you point that out. I think I was like speaking a little broadly, but it, I, I feel like what you're doing now is like exactly what you were meant to do, you know, with the combination of your personality, your skills, your experience and all that. I have a very specific set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> were we imitating the like defectively of Neeson? <laughs> I have a no. very limited set of unique skills. <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> and I will get you sober. <laughs> it might not be today. It might not be today. But I have a very specific set of skills. Yeah, if yeah. you start being the like creepy ladies in the sobriety, that's when you'll know you're on the downhill of who knows what. So, so much scarier if you're sober too. Be like, please tell totally. me you something to drink. Yeah, totally. It is. Let me tell you, as a sober person, it's really scary when you start to do fucked up shit or like <laughs> go off the deep end because you're just like, dude, I'm a hundred percent sober doing this. Yeah. Like, like exactly. that was my yeah, that true. was my thought process while I was sober. Like, right. I have no excuse. You know, it's like the car accident we're talking about. I legitimately was not. You know, I don't remember any of that, right? But like, there's so many things I've done in sobriety where I'm like, nope, I got nothing. That was uh, just someone that's like right. very objectively unattractive. It's like, nope, you were fully within your right, yeah. right nope. mind. Yeah, um, nope, nope, no excuse. <laughs> yeah, like... I think I say something that was like maybe a little bit off topic, but I mean, it was sort of going back to the living with this exposure where it's, you know, this piece of your life where I think also just like the the always recovering like you're, you know, and how addiction can come out in a lot of different ways. I think, you know, that's a lot of people, I think have this impression of, you know, you get sober and then like, boom, you're fixed. And I think, you know, being part of your life and seeing the, the like daily struggle and, you know, not just with, with substance is, but like food and different things that come up and, you know, the underlying, underlying depression, anxiety. And I think that's, it's both, you know, hard to, it feels very helpless sometimes to, you know, feel like, oh, I can't really, that this is like a lifelong, both recovery and struggle. And, you know, obviously with, with DAC being in recovery and other people that, you know, being kind of exposed to, to that is, you know, I think sometimes it's from an empathetic perspective, hard, but I think it's also illuminating for people that maybe don't understand that that's how recovery works. Is that scary for you to have, <laughs> it's scary for me, so I'll just preface it by saying, but is it scary yeah. for you to have your sister and her husband, you know, both be in recovery and, you know, that your nephews have parents who are alcoholics? Yeah, 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 and I think that's sort of dad, you know, with dad starting the company, it's like, 
sister, you, like it's genetic. We all know this, you know, we talk about all the time with, with your kids, like little things, which I think is sometimes paranoia and like sometimes real. And I think, yeah, I think sometimes it's, it's scary. I think sometimes it's frustrating where it's like, why does it's, it's sad where it's like life is harder for, you know, for, I do believe the people that, that struggle because it's, it's a little bit like you have to sort of be constantly doing the work, which is more exhausting. And, you know, it, it's like, it can't be, be easy. And so I think it's, it's hard for me to watch and sad for me to watch sometimes that, that like life can't be easier from an emotional perspective. And I think it's, did, it's yeah. Did that come up for you when I went to treatment this year? I mean, definitely. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's I don't like seeing you, you know, in pain and, struggling. And I, and I think also trying to explain this to my partner who doesn't like really understand, I mean, kind of understands, like not really. And so we have a lot of conversations that it's interesting where I sort of have that bounce back of like, Oh, you don't get it because like you didn't grow up with it. Like, this is, this is like a forever thing. This isn't just like a one and like, boom, you do this and then you leave and you're fixed air quotes. I think, so that's been a that has been a sort of illumination of, of just sort of, this is the like normal perspective versus like, this is somebody, my perspective of growing up with somebody that has always and will always struggle with, with this sort of arena of things. So, so yeah, so I think that's, that's definitely different than folks that aren't exposed to, to this world. And, and they're, I, I like, least, yeah. they're like, she should be cured by now. Or like, I mean, to, if, if we're being honest, I was like, what the fuck I should be. Cured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like, is this going to fall? Like, is this going to like, is this going to, you know, going to this, is this going to, you know, not solve, but like, yeah. And I, I think it's like, well, no, cause it's not, there's no like solve. Um, right. but, I mean, but, it, but it's hard because it's like, it's different too. When you think of, you know, with alcohol and drugs, like if, if it's, I think it's hard for people also to think of, you know, food struggles with life as life and death. And they sort of get totally. it when it comes to, totally. uh, you know, drugs and alcohol where it's like poison. But I think it's harder when it's like, no, like this is the same thing. It's just like a different manifestation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the yeah. way I explain it is like, it leads to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's funny. Cause, um, God, I had a thought, but then I was like listening, you know, you know, when that happens, Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I kind of derailed the conversation. Also. No. No. You didn't. You were. No, you, didn't. you were yeah. actually so good that I stopped thinking. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I. It's funny though that you. I, I'm not like afraid at all. And I see the deck in your treatment. I'm like good. Like I'm. You mean re- recovery? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Recovery. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, I feel badly for you know your future if you have like a child that was like you, I mean, that is, I don't, I don't think I would wish that on anyone, but I mean, no, I just, and you were like, it was fun being a sibling, but you know, like it, wow. Like you were just a full-time, you know, job, I guess that, that you couldn't <laughs> be good at. Right. Um, but the yeah, thing God, is, my is kids, that, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have a kid like Ashley. I'm just going to be always on the phone being like, I don't know what to do. I'm not. I mean, there. you saw my kid this weekend, so. But the thing is, you and I Dad, really want to hide. Sometimes I'm like, um, he, he's getting mad at me. I need to hide. <laughs> <laughs> I look at him and I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm, yep. But you I'm, guys have the skills, like, or you, you guys have what? better. You guys may not be able to like cure someone else's issue, but at least, at least, you're not necessarily going to be 
you know, fueling the flames, right? Like when there are, you know, trad parents, um, <laughs> traditional parents, <laughs> um, sorry, little Silicon Valley in there. Um, oh my God. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and then they're dealing with an addict, right? And they don't have any of the skills, background, like ways to identify, right? Like they're all their baggage, all their shit comes out along with, you know, the vehicles of their non-abilities for coping, communicating. And, and the other thing too, is that like the likelihood of preventing something from getting really bad is possibly lower, right? Because for example, like say, say you grew up in a household where, you know, you're trying to raise overachieving kids at all costs and whatever. And there's none of that like whole, like healthy balance way of doing that or treating them like a human rather than like a machine that's supposed to represent you. Well, there's like, there's a tiger mom. And then there's like, you know, call me a tiger mom. Oh, I called you. Well, cause you're the year of the tiger. Mm. Wait, what was I calling you? I feel like maybe you're like a helicopter parent, but no, 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 you're not. Oh, how am I? How am I a helicopter parent? I can't remember what we were joking. We were joking that teach Amanda fish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, You teach them to fish, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because I don't. I wouldn't expect myself to have an addict child. I don't know why, but that's probably. (laughs) I don't know why. I'm like, like, yeah. I'm just like, oh no, oh no. What am I gonna do? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like my parent, I mean, my, my kid, if I were to have one would feel like, I feel like I'd screwed up by overdoing the reverse, right. Where I, I feel like they feel abandoned by me where I'd be like, you got this, you, go, you know, like I, for everything, I'd just be like, you got this, go ahead. And they'd be like, why didn't you, why didn't you like hold my hand or something? Or like, I don't know. I, you mean not like me where I'm like, oh, that's a disorder. Oh, that's a disorder. Oh, that's a disorder. <laughs> yeah, <I could laughs> well, yeah, although actually Dak, Dak has way turned out to be, has turned out to be way worse than me. He was like, one of our kids is throwing a temper tantrum. He's like, he comes to me quietly, dead serious. He's like, do you think he's bipolar? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I think he's yeah. poor and didn't get what he wanted. Do I think he's bipolar? Yeah. Oh my god. It's like natural to have those thoughts. I laughed so hard, so hard. I was like, "Babe, no." Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's. I mean, it's that is that is a scary piece of it. I think you know, it's like thinking about it from this perspective is a totally different experience, right? And I think that was kind of like what I wanted you guys to talk about was you know, there's different experiences. There's the, you know, my experience, which was, you know, very drunk and high a lot, like, like, like kind of a dream state, you know, I don't think for I a lot of, <laughs> yeah, 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 it wasn't always yeah. Awful. And then there's like the sibling experience, right? Tori is like the young sibling and then Marina is like, you know, the, the, you know, why can't I think of the word? Co-conspirator? Yeah, co-conspirator that we'll, we'll go with that. She has a very specific schedule. <laughs> that is true. Go <laughs> on for the ride till she wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, hey, yeah. I, I would like a more important, esteemed title. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, person who tried to keep us from getting in trouble when oh, God, they did. Yeah, I know. I was. You know what I was? I was your. I was your agent. I was your manager. Just trying <laughs> to give you some good ideas. You did. You did. You yeah. got, you got us out of trouble a few times. Did I? 
I also got us in trouble a few times. (laughs) (laughs) They cancel each other out. Okay. What? Okay. Top two funniest memories from our childhood. Oh, instantly. Instantly, really? Okay. I have one. Or, or I I mean, you could do 20s, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. I have have top of my head one. Okay. Which was that, you know, we were like young enough that we spent, and it was also like pre digital dominance and everything. And like there were, there's no social media. There was no, you know what I mean? Like we weren't just. I was in AOL chat rooms, I'll have you know. Right. Yeah. But you couldn't even. You can, it wasn't the same. And, (laughs) and so we, you know, spent a lot of time just entertaining ourselves. Right. And I was starting to take art classes and I had Sculpey, which is basically like a type of clay. (laughs) I was going to tell you color. Oh, damn. Sorry, Tori. (laughs) You're going to have to pick it up. Tell it, tell it, tell it. (laughs) And, um, and we decided to, yeah, so I was like, I already do it in draw. So it actually, like, it was easy to sculpt something realistic. And uh, actually, the idea that I should sculpt a dick and, I'm sorry, a penis and <laughs> whatever, whatever the polite word is. Um, and, uh, and she dressed up like a boy and uh, wore a backwards cap and whatever and, like, baggy jeans. And we decided to have, we, like, fix the, like, sculpty penis to her like fly so it kind of looked like it was hang she had like a dick hanging out of her pants and <laughs> it did look like i had a dick hanging out of my pants it did it really did and that's what <laughs> was crazy because the thing is what you don't realize is that if it's <laughs> the next part of this story is i'll just cut to there we decided to walk around safeway for fun and just to like see like just to get a rise out of people who think that there is some guy walking around with like his dick out and here's the thing if you see a skin colored object hanging out of someone's like pants you actually don't look that hard but in your peripheral vision it's it looks exactly like that right and (laughs) and yeah and you know we just like walked around and i was like I was, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life with watching people's faces. Like they were so shocked and hor- like they were aghast, you know, like they didn't know what to do with themselves. And, but you, you were working on like, I don't know how you could hold it together. Like I needed to go into a corner and just laugh, you know, <laughs> but you just like walked around, like held it together and <laughs> flaunted your fake dick. Yeah. And you were oh, like, oh God, it was funny. I probably scarred someone, so if whoever you are, I apologize. Oh, oh God. You, gave, you provided a lot of stories. Yeah. Oh, God. That was your story, Tori? Okay. Story yeah, Tori? yeah, yeah. And, and then I had a story, and then I lost it. Okay, but... Well, I was going to say that, that was funny, because I, I don't think I went to Safeway, but was, like, around for the, the experience. Okay, for, I was... I Maybe I'll remember the one from our childhood, but... I didn't want to tell the story of, of, okay, this one is from our 20s, uh, but from your bachelorette trip, where Ashley, we, like, went to a resort, and it was, like, a series of unfortunate events, of just, like, being, like, nothing, it was, like, an empty, like, everything that could go wrong did, we, like, thought it was going to be this, like, really luxurious resort, and, like, everything, like, looked, like, it smelled like sewage and there was like it was we had to walk around everywhere this like huge property and we like couldn't get it remember we couldn't get into the the like the better place to go to go like in the oh yeah we, we didn't, and, and i was very enterprising and <laughs> attempted to get us in and it was just like 
I feel like it was it was like a Chevy Chase vacation. <laughs> like I wish we really I wish somebody had followed us around uh, <laughs> and just filmed. And the ocean right where this resort was was brown. Do you remember that? Because yeah, because the... <laughs> yeah. the season it was so oh. brown with dirt that oh. my white bathing shirt turned brown <laughs> like it forever yes. changed the suit yeah and it's just every and it happened it didn't happen all at once like it was like a trickle <laughs> of like what is happening and the food like remember i don't know what was wrong with the food but i remember we were like hoarding the like canned peppers or whatever <laughs> yeah. for you're like it's the only ones i trust you know like there was something <laughs> yeah. weird we were like, our the next step is getting taken. We were like, this is a this is the beginning of hostel. We're gonna yeah. go for and this much money because we're, and then we're like, does Dad have a unique set of skills? <laughs> <laughs> and like our phones and credit cards stopped working. And oh yeah, oh, and then they wouldn't God. give us the internet password because we had to pay for it. And we were like, oh. we're literally trying to, to use <laughs> our cards to pay for it. They wouldn't give us the internet password because we had to pay for the internet. If we had to pay for the internet. But we couldn't pay for the internet because our bank cards weren't working because we had to get on the internet and call. Oh my god! So yeah, that was we were at an impasse. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. And then this is one from slightly younger, but I was going to tell the the theme of Ashley uh, making like multiple uh, people cry on my behalf because she was so protective. I remember one time this happened (laughs) because it was like somebody kept stealing my backpack or something. I had like a Spice Girls backpack. And you, Mm-mm. you like bitch them out. They're teasing me, and I'm pretty sure they cried. And then my high school friends were being, you know, like weren't being nice to me for some reason. And Ashley just sent like, you know, like older sister, you know, just like I'm gonna make you feel like you're just the biggest piece of shit, but in a really like nice, mature way. Uh, <laughs> email that just it was like, ooh, no one. It was like the what people describe of like big brothers, where it's like no one's gonna mess with you. <laughs> and then and the last one, which is which is definitely a favorite, was uh, a guy who I was dating in high school that didn't treat me as well as he should have. And Ashley, and he's like, you know, six two, like, you know, probably big over, dude. Two, over two hundred pounds. And Ashley's like, if you make my little sister cry, I like you're gonna regret it. And just like, you know, goes at him like as though she was you know just as kind of like an aggressive stance thing and he legitimately flinched and thought that you were gonna, he punch him. gonna hit him yeah and he was like <laughs> he was like he was like terrified i was like you're like six two you could literally step on me oh and, my uh, god yeah tori's like did you just threaten my boyfriend i was like no i just told him that if he makes you cry again we're gonna have a big problem <laughs> doesn't sound like threat to me it sounds like oh, you know oh god sounds like a yeah. psa <laughs> oh yeah yeah psa Oh yeah. So anyway, this? Can I ask? No. I'll tell you after the call. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't. I don't remember like, which one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. I I feel like we had. I don't know. For all the shit show that it was, I feel like we had like we've had a lot of fun too. I'm trying okay, to think. Yeah, so Ashley, this is also very just like a funny thing where. It's, a, it's also like, enterprising. Yeah, this is the enterprising piece where you're very much like I would also go to, like visit you and you'd be like, we're gonna go to like a Korean spa or like we're gonna go where it's like I had never been. You're just like naked, you know, having people like <laughs> hit you, throw milk on you. Or <laughs> <laughs> you're like in high school and you're like, all right, I get down with this. Like, 
situations where I feel like I just remember, I remember like visiting you in Arizona too, where you were like, had your own house and you were sober. And this, you know, our whole relationship was long distance starting when I was 11. And so we would always go on these trips and it was always like just the craziest (laughs) adventures where you're like, okay, we're, uh, we're doing this. Um, but yeah, so the, the, when you were living in Orange County, I remember you calling and you're like, oh, I really need to get, yeah, I I need to get a house cleaner. So I put this ad up on, or I found this person on Craigslist. I don't even know what it was. (laughs) And No, okay. There's a little preface to this that my friend, one of my best friends became a professional dominatrix and, and like, I knew nothing about this world and then like learned all about this world and was totally not into any of that stuff. Like it just didn't do anything for me. But I heard that there were these, these submissives who liked being told what to do and that these doms, these dominatrix or whatever doms would have these subs, these submissives who would clean their house for free and like do all this stuff for them. And like that this relationship like worked for them and this was great. And so I was like, all I heard was you could get free house cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. My favorite part of the story though was after like, yeah, so I hired this guy he's like a businessman and he likes, he comes to my house and like strips down where's this song. He has like a micro penis and you know, he wants me to tell him that he has a small dick and you know, that he's like a piece of shit. And like, I was doing it for a while and it was fine, but like, honestly, it got kind of exhausting. Like I just, I can't always be home when he's cleaning and I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I didn't even tell the story about when I was like 14 and you took me to an S and M club, but that's like another hole. Um, <laughs> remember when I said the the adventures that we went on? Um, yeah. Oh you my took god! And all the adventures. And yeah, she came down, and we we would go. I was like, "This is what we're doing. We're going to this S and M club." And I told her, I was like, "Look, like, it's just it's literally back. no one you want to see naked. So yeah. don't worry." Yeah, I yeah. And I remember really- I was taking pictures because I, I I don't know why I was like allowed to have my digital camera. And it was like in the era of obviously like digital cameras. And I was like taking pictures of like a woman being burned on a spider web. And <laughs> wild. And I was like, here's like a Velcro mini skirt to wear. Here you go. Like, uh, you know, leather top. <laughs> I mean, it's parenting at my best. <laughs> Maybe I, was thinking, I think. Yeah. Oh my God. Your friends, you must have come home and been like, she's sober. Right. She's She's super. like, she's cool. You, my friends would come over and you'd be like butt naked below drying your hair. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you, Ashley. <laughs> and you were like, hey. <laughs> I know. I really, I, I body, I think I started body confidence long before that was a thing. Totally. I actually just realized that like when I visited you in Arizona too, you, you and I think you and Donnie were going on an adventure, but it, it involved a lot of guns and, um, <laughs> and you were driving somewhere with like too many, too many guns. I mean, it freaked me out, but I also did have to stay back and do homework. So I just wrote an essay. It's, it's, you would go into like the woods and shoot guns. It was a yeah. very different world. Yeah. Right. I was actually like pretty thrilled about writing that essay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I oh gosh, I got me. Yeah, you. Oh, oh no, oh no. I just, I was just like, oh, I'm not gonna go and like die today. <laughs> that, that was like my thought. I was like, no, no, no. Tori was like, I'm down to die. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. This is also there's a theme here of the the Bachelorette when we went um, snorkeling in a lightning storm. 
And Marina's like, guess, guess I'm going to die. Okay. All right. My oh, yeah. I was like, no, not interested. We're already on a boat. It's cold. And I was hanging out with like another defector. You know, we were just like, no, we just don't want to go. And then lightning started happening. And I think it was like Mona was like starting to walk down the stairs and she's, and I was like, wait, can't, like, can we get electrocuted if like lightning hits the water? And she's like, I mean, I don't know, but it's something about like, at least we'll die together or something. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be the only sister alive. And then I ran down the stairs to go with you. I was like, you guys are not dying and leaving me alive. You <laughs> ran down the stairs to come with us and you were like, you're not, I'm not. And we were like, okay, Marina drama. And, uh, <laughs> drama. and you're like, you're like, you're like coming down. You're like, well, I don't want to, if everyone's going to die, I'm not going to die by myself. I'm going to die with my sisters. And then your top falls. <laughs> when you <fall. laughs> no, Oh my God. I was going to live. I remember thinking, sorry, about that, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not living through this one. Yeah. You're like, I don't want to down together. Yeah. Yeah. And you were like dead serious. That was, everyone was like, ha ha ha. And you're like, no, I'm serious. And then yeah. you're, and then you flashed everyone in the boat. Yep. Yep. The best part was, no. so we were getting back in the boat and you were making fun of, or she made fun of you because you fell, like trying to get back into the boat. And then Marina gets back into the boat and she's wearing like a, it's like a demi cup bathing suit. And it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, maybe like a 15 person rowboat or like motorboat situation. And you're, you get it all metal, lift lift up, you like get off the the, um, ladder and it's just like full boob out of the bathing suit. You're like, you're like a foot from like a family. And yeah. you're like, wait, what? And, and we're just like pointing, like just staring. <laughs> yeah, it was like I was like on stage, like it was like everyone yeah, was, was facing me. Oh, was God, that was so funny. I couldn't feel it, right? And then and we so had all. We had to all sit in the boat together, after, like <laughs> a tiny rowboat. I know, I know. I know. I, and then I was like, as long as it looks good, like, fine, I can live with it. You know, like if I were like, if it looked really bad, I'd have more trouble. Oh my like, God. It was so good. That was hysterical. Yeah. I knew there was instant karma. Like when I laughed after you slipped off the ladder, <laughs> I was like, I just feel karma on my back. Oh my <laughs> Turns out it's on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> oh god well you guys are my best friends and i love you so much and i'm so grateful for your support through this crazy ass journey and uh yeah i think do you guys talk to do you guys do any like talk to other people about like support other people when they have siblings going through addiction stuff do you ever use your experience to help other people i mean yeah I don't think I have like, too like many. no, nope. <laughs> I have a very specific <laughs> set of skills that no one wants. I usually say that, I go, that too can be true. <laughs> I, I say them. I'm like, oh, I totally get it. I have this sister, and she's really helpful to talk to. Yeah, and I'm gonna give yeah, you a yeah. number. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I mean, especially with my boyfriend's mom. I think that's also, even though you, she's more of a train wreck than you ever were, which I guess is a little harder, but. But yeah, I mean, I honestly, like, I think some, in that case, it's so severe that I just prefer that you talk to him directly. Yeah, I get that a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. You're like, wait. Corey's a big fan of that move. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm like, I mean, let me help you over here. This is how I'm going to help you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by sending you to my sister. Who I'm going to is- empower you to talk to my sister. Yeah. Uh, Tori, Tori had me conference call into a oh my God. bachelorette once and do a remote intervention. Oh, yeah. A remote intervention consult consulting. Literally, I'm in bed. In like service. We're like in at like Nobu in Malibu. And we're like, God damn it. We're like losing service. We're like, call her back from the bathroom. Call her back. <laughs> what, do we, what, do we do? what do we say? <laughs> we Full meltdown. <laughs> Yeah, I full I'm getting blow by blow. And Dax like, what is going on? It was like late in that, for, well, late for us. We're in bed at eight. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was dinner, but we're in bed. And uh, he's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I'm I'm uh, walking them through an intervention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, and like different people keep coming into the bathroom and then like different people keep going back to the table and they're like, what's happening? And it's like literally just like, okay, the next person gets on the phone with Ashley. Yeah, uh, I kept getting handed off. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Amazing. What a, what a time to have an intervention. I have a very specific. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to watch that movie immediately. <laughs> I'm going to be Liam Neeson all night. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of that movie and not think of, and I know I said this over the weekend, but just thinking about like watching and being like, wow, if this happened to us and this were dad, we'd be so screwed. <laughs> He has a very specific set of skills and none of which would help us in a kidnapping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He'd like talk to the kidnapper and be like, you know, uh, we're like leaves on the trees and you know, yeah. you're going to die and you're going to regret yeah. this. So you should probably give them back. <laughs> yeah. Listen, let me just give you some advice. They're very pricey and needy and you're going to want, you're going to want to let them go. <laughs> let me explain to you how the world works. It's a very small yeah. world. This will come back to haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you this. One time I was at Sega and <laughs> I went to this great show and I met this uh, my this guy there who was my boss prior and <laughs> yeah. Just like, and we saw Foo Fighters play up close. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. And the and the guy will be like, Okay, if you stop calling me and telling me stories, I will give your children back. <laughs> You'll be like, that'll be his like strategy all along. Oh, what? Super self-aware. Like that's his strategy all along. Super self-aware about it. It's just like, I knew one day this pay off. Oh, wow. Do you guys have anything that you want to say to the listeners? Don't jump. (laughs) (laughs) I have to think about it. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Oh my god! I think I think if people are coming here, that's like a little late. Yeah, a little late. Okay, I would say that if you have a sibling, or you know, like maybe any other family member to who who has a problem and they act like a butthead for a while and they struggle to get well, to to just keep in touch and, you know, give, give like chances to change your mind because, you know, people do get better. And when they become more of themselves as they get better, it's a relief and they're sort of who you always wanted them to be, you know, and 
sometimes if you stay really far away because you're, you know, pissed or you're, you're so afraid of being disappointed again, you can actually like miss their recovery, basically, like in the, the lowercase r form of the word, you can, you know, you can live with the bitterness for a long time, but totally unnecessarily. And also keeping in more close contact and sort of following that, you know, journey allows you to understand what, what really was causing them to be so hurtful. Right. And, and that the benefits of that can extend intensely in the whole rest of your life in ways you didn't expect at all. So it's really, really hard to do that when, when you feel like, when you feel so powerless and hurt over and over, but to remember that that's like normal, you know, and that it's not necessarily like permanent and that this is how it goes is it's just going to be more helpful for what you ultimately want. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I mean, I would say that I definitely agree with those things in a sort of slightly different way, which is, you know, just that you're, whether, you know, you are the person struggling or you, you close to someone who's struggling, it's your family. It's a unique relationship where, you know, you do get more chances in some ways than, you know, your, your friends often. And so just to keep trying to, to keep, keep trying to basically build empathy with them to either understand what, what they're going through, or if you're the one struggling to continue sharing your struggle to, to build empathy with your family members. Because I think sometimes it is hard to understand from the outside what, you know, especially if you don't struggle with addiction yourself or, you know, the family member doesn't, it's hard to understand. But I think if you keep trying, you can build sort of common ground. And I think that can really strengthen the relationship and, you know, allow you to both either get the support that you need or have the relationship with the family member. Because, you know, obviously it's not just you recover and then you're done. You know, it's a lifelong recovery, lifelong struggle. And so part of having a relationship is understanding and, and you know, having empathy for for those sort of low points and being able to support someone through them and and feeling supported. I think, you know, again, your family, you know, unlike a job or unlike a friend where, you know, if you bail on them or they're going to be less forgiving your family, they, you know, if you build a close relationship, you do have that unconditional support that I think is, you know, can be unmatched. Do you think that it was helpful for you guys to come to meetings and just like see it in action and hear the stories and stuff? for yourself without, you know, without like being taught it, but like really seeing it? I just enjoy meetings. I don't think, I think that, I mean, just speaking for myself. Yeah. 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 You know, I think that they're enlightening. Honestly, there's, there's, it's, there's a lot of humor in a lot of meetings that I've been to Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and then there's like a lot of that shock. Right. But I think because I'm so used to like your stories that I was, I'm a little less shocked, you know, but yeah, like I think that what really helps is seeing all the different kinds of people who remind you of people you would never suspect, you know, mm-hmm. have this problem with yeah. that, right? And they get up and they tell these stories and it makes you realize like, oh my God, this is this is the secret so many people share. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So in that way, I think that that is, uh, it opens your, opens your heart a little bit. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, I think it like builds humanity. I think, you know, being like empathetic and when people are struggling is, I think, again, a lot of times I think in life, you don't really have the opportunity to show that compassion with strangers because a lot of times maybe you're watching it on video or you watch someone's story, but you read an article, but you're not necessarily sitting in a room with someone who's sharing those personal details. And, you know, I mean, seeing like a 40 year old man cry because, you know, he's like able to see his kids and wife. And, you know, I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's a super powerful experience. Um, yeah. And I think I definitely recommend, you know, for people that have family in, you know, rehab in treatment centers who are recovering to go to those family sessions. I think having, you know, structure can lead to deeper conversations that you wouldn't otherwise have. And, you know, certainly education about, you know, mental illness and, and the, the struggles if you, if you are not personally familiar with the, the struggles. Yeah. I saw a lot of good come from the family experiences. And, you know, I think that a lot of those conversations just aren't going to happen unless they're facilitated. So, um, I, I know, I know it can be scary for a lot of people, a lot of parents and like, they're scared their shit's going to come up and like what they're going to get called out on, but the healing, you know, there's nothing that's going to come up that those people doing the facilitating haven't seen. I mean, yeah, we've seen it all. <laughs> yeah. You're there. I think like, you know, kind of going back to, you know, like kind of harping on the same thing, but you know, if somebody's there, they, are in a place where they're at least open to hearing mm-hmm. you out. And so, you know, I think that's hopefully a comfort of, you know, you wouldn't come to that. I think having the ability to go in open and not judging and wanting to move forward, I, I think that obviously makes it makes it a lot better. But typically the fear is is not really aligned with the intention that the person has that's that's coming to a session like that. Yeah. And I, one thing I, I just, that just came to me, Tori, was that also, I think there, I, I do hear about a lot of families that don't want to bring their young children to these sessions. And like you came very young. And I think the mistake is to, is to think that that's corrupting them when they were privy to all the things that were going on in the house, all the fighting, all the screaming, all the, you know, seeing what they saw or whatever. And the value, like, I'm really glad that mom and dad let you come to a lot of, cause like I started going to treatments when you were very young and they let you come to the various family weeks. And I think that, you know, I do see a lot of parents who are like, well, she's too young to like be a part of this. I'm like, well, she's not too young to live at home and watch it all go down. Might as well, yeah. might as well let her be part of the conversation of like, what the hell's going on and how, how do we get better? And, and like some of that understanding and because the kids understand a lot more than you think they do. And they're going to absorb the recovery piece as well. Yeah. Not just the, you know, leaving you in the dark when you were watching me overdose and, you know, use drugs and blah, 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 you know, wouldn't have kept you more innocent or whatever the goal is. So I think that that was just a piece that, that popped into my head about your age and right, right. you coming to those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, it kind of pr- not primes you is the wrong word, but like creates openness for also 
therapy and, you know, like mental health and self-care, which I mean, I guess that's kind of just a, a positive side effect of, you know, you realize like you see all different types of families in there. And that's also interesting to see it looks different for different people. But I think also too, it definitely created more openness for me, despite my first therapy experience, having a therapist tell me that I talked too much. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, Oh my. yes, I know. Um, but, but yeah, but I think it did lead to, you know, more openness and kind of dealing with my own crap and going to therapy and, you know, healthier behaviors long-term. Although it drives our, all of our partners completely batshit <laughs> crazy and they all make fun of us for the incredible yeah. amount of emotional depth and conversations yeah, we have emotional problems <laughs> and everything everything every person is uh you know analyzed for what's happening with their emotions yeah they make fun of us endlessly that's fine they just don't know they want to be in the club and they can't be and it's okay mm-hmm. exactly Mm-hmm. It's because of their emotional problems. Exactly. Wrong. They were analyzing emotions. I was, I was actually just thinking that where I was <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry, but that sounds like it's coming from someone who uh, is afraid of um, looking at some feelings. <laughs> <laughs> all of our poor partners. Oh, uh, yes. We've been all been told by our partners at some point in time that we have masculine energy. So, yeah, I take it yes. as a compliment. Me too. We got this. Well, Loeb ladies, Loeb sisters, I love you dearly to the end of the earth. And thank you for all of your support and all of our fun times and all of the treatments and all the shit, all the, all the good, the bad, the ugly. So I, it's been super fun having you on and uh, hopefully people will listen and, and uh, have some sort of epiphany or at the very least have a laugh uh, from, from our, our lengthy episode. At least at the Liam Neeson. I, I, I hope so. I hope that hits home. <laughs> I feel like that's been a really, I really, yeah. Like I emotion. really ran that one into the ground. So <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my head. So it just kind of went with it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, we, we love well, you we too. And thank you for having us on the pod. My pleasure. A great, uh, uh, big sis to look up to. Me too. <laughs> your ring lead us. I know. Yeah. I was like, wait, if she's big sis. Biggest sis. No. <laughs> really? <laughs> Jesus Christ. The big, middle sis. I don't want to be known as the biggest anything. You could just be big sis. Or you could be the middle sis. Eldest. Eldest. Odd. Oldest. Oldest. No, not oldest. Eldest. 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 Wisest. No, <laughs> the most. Yes, she's I've learned person. all of my wisdom for my days in meth houses. <laughs> I love that. I sometimes I'm like, did I make a career off of doing drugs as a teenager? Because that's interesting. I mean, it's again enterprising for a reason. It, yeah, enterprising. enterprising. I was like, okay, I did all this shit. What am I going to do with it? I got to be enterprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's real. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Love you. Cool. Love you too. Love you. Bye. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by LionRock.life. LionRock.life is a recovery community offering free online support group meetings, useful recovery information, and entertainment. Visit www.lionrock.life to view the meeting schedule and find additional resources. Find the joy in recovery at LionRock.life.